Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show podcast, a place about games, friends, getting better. My name is Ben Hansen. Thank you all for being here. I'm not alone, though. I'm joined by Jacob Geller. Hello. I'm joined by Janet Garcia. Hello. And I'm joined by the returning champion, Odell Harmon Jr. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Uh, so we're trying to remember the last episode you were on, we were talking about Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl. Oh, no, me and Janet were talking about on the last show we were on together. Oh. The last show me and you were on together was talking about Pokemon. Okay. To some capacity. Naturally, because you're kind of the Pokemon expert. Here's here's the epiphany I had is we're like, oh, we want to talk about packs on this episode. Maybe we'll talk about the new um, kind of expansion coming to Cyberpunk. Uh, the DLC that'd be interesting to unpack. And maybe we'll talk about the new Pokemon trailer. And then it was really like a usual suspects moment of like, I think this is an Odell episode. I think this is exactly <laughs> up his alley in every way. So welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I'm always, always a pleasure to be here. Yeah. With a stride PR now. Yes. You're in the, the beautiful world of PR. Yes, I have jumped shipped. I have skipped a level in some people's mind. And now I am in the wonderful world of PR. Specifically helped put on the show, PAX West. That was fun. Learning experience all around. Yeah, okay. There's a lot that we could unpack here. That sounds here. scary. <laughs> oh, I cannot imagine. I talked to some of y'all, and y'all seemed like you had a, a, a different kind of event than I went to. <laughs> yeah, so it's, we had a Twitter contest. I'm in Max's Twitter account a while ago. But like, hey, I think it was just retweet this. I don't know. One of those super clever ideas of retweet this, and you can win something. And that was all technically coming from Stride PR, and specifically from Odell's email saying, hey, we're giving away five-day tickets to PAX, and several people from the VidMax community went to PAX based on that email you sent, Odell, so it's all coming full circle. Yeah, there it is. There's the tagline. There we go. Uh, including Holden Hints here, one of the people that went to PAX because of MinMax. Uh, they say, hey, everybody, I just got back from PAX West this weekend. Here are my top five games that I played. Number one, Gunbrella. Number two, Demon School. Number three, Shovel Knight Dig. Number four, System Shock. And number five, Wanted Dead. There's a lot that we can unpack here, but Holden also said that they went to Janet's panel and thoroughly enjoyed it. Congratulations, Janet. Yeah, it was fun. Um, yeah, I met Holden. I met um, his friend Preston. And yeah, he had mentioned, like, I saw him because of the min-max shirt, like, on the floor. Like, oh, he had, awesome. Um, he had a, a, a one I hadn't seen before. I think it was purple, and it had our logo on it. And at first it wasn't like registering that like he was someone who knew me, but he kind of like moved his hands a bit and like looked at me and I was like, <laughs> slowly my brain loaded in. I'm like, oh, hey, like, what's up? And then, you know, we, we like chopped it up and stuff. And it was funny because I kept seeing him like throughout other times, like just on the floor. And then when I went to go get ramen for like my last dinner, he was also there. Like I, he was like, oh, hey, good to see you again. So it was just this weird thing. Um, and then we ended up actually just like sitting down and eating with them and, and hanging oh, out. Nice. And he was super cool. So oh, that's awesome. And uh, real quick, what did yeah. you say Holden's last name was? Holden Hints. Isn't Holden that the Hintz? greatest name? Doesn't that ever? sound like a like an Animal Crossing character that would like <laughs> yes. give you help if you were stuck? Yes. Holden <laughs> Hints. He doesn't write video game guides. Is a little bit upsetting. Ooh. It's the ultimate. Guide Sandal. Yeah. Uh, Bob Kinnear also wrote in and said, Hey, Maxers, I was at PAX over the weekend and I played Tinykin because the art style really caught my eye. I've never played a Pikmin style game, but I'm very interested in jumping into this genre now. Yeah, that game rules. I'm like uh, coming into the last level with Tinykin. Have you kept playing that thing, Janet? Yeah, I did play it on one of my flights, I think when I was heading there. Um, and I'm on like the second area. So there's like okay. a tutorial area, the first area. Um, 
I might end up restarting it on PlayStation if I end up getting a PlayStation code. I'm playing on Switch right now, but yeah. I don't know. It's um, it's just rock solid, just wonderful exploration focused Pikmin style platformer, I guess would be the easiest way to put it, which is an odd combination of ingredients. Uh, Jacob Geller, I might convince you this, might be podcast game of the year. It's really, Ooh. Ooh, it is stellar what? podcast gaming. Anyways, Bob Kinnear wrote in about that, and then they say, side note, Lies of P was my personal game of the show. Still not sure about that name, though. Also, I had the pleasure of meeting Kelsey Lewin at the Pink Gorilla booth, who was at PAX. I also saw Janet outside a restaurant making a food vlog on the street, <laughs> and I didn't want to interrupt her content to say hi, so now I'm officially saying hello, Janet, here. Oh, I think that, I think I know what restaurant that was. I think that I was outside of Dozone, and Isaiah asked me, yeah, I went with my, with my boyfriend Isaiah and he's like what do you think of this show I was like hold on ask me again with this camera in my face and he's like what do you think and that's probably what he saw me doing nice so really after I'm disappointed that it wasn't a food blog it wasn't <laughs> yeah. reviewing Dozone I feel like I'm not cool I didn't see Janet at all but apparently she was where the people were yeah the cool people <laughs> yeah does doing a panel at PAX automatically put you in like a cool person crowd is everyone just hanging out backstage high-fiving each other and talking about how many Twitter followers you have and cool stuff like that um, that's not how, what we did before. Oh, okay. We mostly were just like, what games did you see? Um, and it was like super fun, like being with that group. It was, you know, like me, Jenny, Mary, um, Cam, Hawkins, like you can, you know, I think the VODs are on twitch.tv slash PAX3 is probably mm. where my panel's at. Um, but yeah, it was super fun and it was nice because where we were set up, there was an empty room across the hall. So like we didn't have time for questions, but Jenny suggested like, oh, well, hang out in that empty room. And if you want to say hi or ask us anything, you can. And a bunch of people came up to us at that point And like, you know, it was nice to get to like talk to everybody um, outside of just, there were people that said hi to me like on the show floor and stuff. But obviously I'm sure there's many people that didn't because they saw me like making content and they didn't want to interrupt. So it was nice to have a place to like invite that for our folks. How does it how did it feel to go from traveling to Minneapolis where there's nothing but uh, us, but I'll say specifically maybe me shoving cameras in your face and saying, Hey, here we go, look at this, look at what you're doing. And then you went immediately to PAX where you shoved a camera in your own face and then went up on stage. Are you kind of fried by the end of that? Not really. I'm a little I'm a little bit tired just from like doing a lot of things and I feel like I need a like my desk looks awful right now. I'm just staring at a bunch of business cards because I didn't have time to clean it before I Don't did the show. Don't tilt down. Don't tilt down. Um, but other than that, like I honestly found it like the obviously the day to day can be really tiring. Like there was a point where I like just laid out on the floor and like closed my eyes for a few minutes just because I was exhausted. But outside of that, like I actually found it to be like really re-energizing, like something yeah. about just the context in which you're playing games, talking to people about those games. It's like such a positive fun communal rush like i had so many like energy spikes in it meanwhile like my boyfriend's out here just like slowly battery draining and i'm like Let, okay what's net like let's go you know i'm trying to like get the most out of everything so like i recorded a bunch of stuff like i, I had a great time doing that and i'm now excited to be i think done with travel until um i have like a wedding in the in the fall in the in the fall slash winter but other than that i think i'm done moving around i still have a couple other like events and stuff to do but yeah, nothing so. outside the city i don't think uh odell how was your show was it like uh doing packs from the pr side of things oh man it was so cool so the first time was technically in east but this time was even more different because i was in the sheraton which is like across the street and and i found that i think the whole weekend i only existed in like a two mile radius and uh, i tweeted about this so this is my seventh pax west going back to even before it was called West and Prime, the good old days. Wow. 
And so I always stay like super far away in terms of like, I can never walk there because, you know, for pricing hotels, you know, got to get the cheapest one. And you see me, I've always had like, I always have like the mass salesman from Majora's Mask, like type of backpack on that has like all my recording equipment and just like <laughs> drop at a dime. Oh crap, you know, so-and-so's here. He agreed. Let me pull out, you know, my system. So this year I had no backpack. I had like a pocket full of business cards. I had to make sure, you know, things didn't catch on fire. And it was just like, right. this is nice. I, I'm just here. Like... I know exactly where I need to be. I know exactly what I need to do. And if something arises, I'll go deal with it. What? I can also go in before the show starts, go to the Pokemon booth, get all the Pokemon merch, laugh oh. at everyone that's in that long line. My heart goes out to you. <laughs> and, it, and it was just kind of nice. It was like, yeah. Well, what is it? I, I mean, met, you're not I like met a... Yoshi. Uh, oh, no, go ahead. You met who? I met Yoshida from PlayStation. That was cool. Oh, really? Would you I thought it was just going to be Yoshi like? from Super Mario. <laughs> I, okay, so confession. I saw Shuhei Yoshida walking down the street, but like opposite directions. Ooh. And I looked at him and I'm like, oh, my heart. Like, you know, I was like, oh, my God, is that Shuhei Yoshida? Yeah. But I didn't say anything. And then I was like, like three minutes later, I told my boyfriend, I'm like, was that Shuhei Yoshida before? Because I wasn't sure if he knew like what he looked like or who he was. Right. Um, and he's like, yeah. I was like, he's like, yeah, I think it was. I was like, right? I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, but I didn't, yeah, he seemed busy. And then also I'm like, hi, you don't, you, you don't know me, but maybe you do know me. But also like, I, you know, I, I, I didn't have I much think, to Janet, say to you him. Are, you are totally set. You can lead with just say kind of funny, scream that. And then you could probably say min max at like a room tone. And there might be there might be some connection. It's like, hi, what's up, Shuhei? I follow you, and you don't follow me. Like, what's up? You know, he's also, guy. I don't know. He's, he's, he's very just, friendly. He's very friendly. You can say I, I choked, host. But honestly, you're so set. You say I co-host kind of funny's PlayStation podcast. That is like as much of an in to Shuhei as you're gonna get. That's perfect. Yeah. Right, Jenna. I'm gonna tell you right now. I met Ted Price with sushi in my mouth. Ooh. With my pick in my hair, and I asked him to hold a drink as I took a picture of us. <laughs> I met Kojima on the floor, tapped his so shoulder, and was dragged away by his security. <laughs> you shoot your away. shot every time. Did they every time? That's imagining. not where I thought that Kojima. But, well, how was how was meeting Shuhei though? I didn't I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was like oh, I yeah. also like vaguely saw Shuhei Yoshida. Oh, uh, what was he was like? walking. Um, he was by a tiny build, and he was looking at the indie games, just walking around casually. Mm. I think he was more surprised that someone just knew he who he was in incognito mode. He was just like, <laughs> "Oh crap." You're a person and you know my name. And I was like, here's my business card. You're cool. And he was like, oh, well, thank you. And I was like, deuce. And that was it. That's beautiful. Yeah, I ran into him at GDC. And I did the whole, like, the, we made a travelogue about the trip to GDC. So I don't know if it's better or worse that, like, okay, I could say hi to him real quick. And then also, like, hey, can I get you on camera? Just you want to smile for the camera real quick? It's like, it gives us some activity, but also it's even more invasive, I feel like, of please be cool, Mr. PlayStation. Um, okay, so you're not an enforcer at PAX Odell. I I'm curious about <laughs> you have to unpack your entire <laughs> career, but like, what is your role there, working PR for the event? Just making sure you're like a super enforcer, or how, what? Oh how do you no, describe well, it? Um, well, a lot of what I do is uh, like before the event, so you know things dealing with registration or just you know other things that need to be taken care of. And during the event, usually you know I work for a client. I help them with their needs. Sometimes that's managing the booth. Sometimes that's doing other things. Uh, this particular event, um, I didn't have to manage the booth for the client. My stuff was more like behind the scenes. So I was free to enjoy the show floor. But let's say, you know, if something popped up and, you know, Ben, you emailed me and you were like, 
yo, our our one of our winners never got a badge, and they said they right. don't know who this guy is, and you know, all the things are wrong. Of course, you would have emailed me since we were in correspondence to that, and I would have been like, oh, okay, and you know, I would have backflipped over to media registration, be like. I know who this man is. Give him a badge. Nice. That's nice. So he's just going around collecting good merch and swag and just waiting for something to go wrong. That seems like a pretty good role. Um, Okay. The games of PAX. I'm going to try and guess what what the hottest ticket there was. Was it Splatoon 3? In terms of what do you mean by hottest ticket? Like biggest game? Yeah. The one that people were talking about the most, longest lines, all that good stuff. What got the most attention you think at PAX West I mean, this year? Along this line, probably Splatoon 3 because it's yeah. Nintendo. But yeah. um, I did see a lot of people talking about Gunbrella, um, frankly. And I, I played Gunbrella. Yeah. So this is the game we talked about a little bit before. It's from, uh, I'm sorry to have to say this, Doinksoft, who are the developers of Gato Roboto uh, from a while ago. Um, but this game looks fantastic. And you actually get to play this thing? Yeah, it's a Devolver digital game, so it was at their booth. Their their lines were always really long, so I waited till the last day, which I was only behind two people, and I still waited, like, probably an hour um, to wow. play this because the demo was, like, a 30-minute build. But, of course, when I got up there, I'm like, I got to do my full 30. Like, I thought about leaving early, like, you know, let, let the line keep moving. But then I'm like, I got to do this. For, I got to do it for work. So I just included to be part of the problem of why those lines were so long. But Gumbrella was amazing. It played incredible. Um, it is what it sounds like. It is a gun that is also an umbrella. It is Gunbrella. Def- yeah. Definitely Ella, took a, f- Ella, a few seconds. A. Yeah, I thought I'd say, right, you can stand <laughs> under my Gunbrella, obviously. Um, but yeah, it was very fun. Uh, it did take me a second to kind of get used to the cadence of how you utilize the tool um one thing i thought was really special about it is i thought they got really creative with the different ways they could use this gumbrella so like one really dope thing a lot of stuff just feels really good in this game too and yeah. the sound design is pretty superb you can um open up the uh the gunbrella as a shield slash parry essentially like if you open it at the right time um any projectile that hits it bounces back at the enemy parry saw um it's also like, you know, a jumping mechanic. There's a, a wall jump kind of built into it. You can use it to slightly, you know, drift down. You can use it as a zip line. Um, and then for the gun aspect, it's a shotgun with unlimited ammo, which yeah. I feel like that's pretty cool. There's other um, ammo, ammunition you can switch off to, like grenades and like other types of bullets. Um, I think my only like negative critique is I did find switching the bullets on the fly to be difficult if like there's like a boss battle at the end and like i'm like oh what if i just throw a bunch of grenades but then like for where they landed and like i just couldn't really um be that pro gamer that i need to be for that final boss but um it was it was very fun very layered they had like you know kind of little mini puzzles with like dialogue with characters um there's a section of the game that stood out of you had to basically it's like you so you had to go into like a basement area and the guy's like, hey, do you know I'm making up the names because I don't remember. It's like, oh, do you know Dave? Um, and you can choose like all these seemingly random dialogues like, oh, Dave's like a, a, a stinky salesman or whatever or just like random stuff. But when you go and talk to Dave and exhaust some of that dialogue, 
he tells you like the password to get into this place and it's to describe him in a specific kind of way like oh dave's a terrible you know gamer or whatever the heck like the thing is and then the guy's like oh okay so you're cool and he like lets you through so little stuff like that huh, i didn't expect I was sort dialogue of choices by. and stuff yeah from something like umbrella but it looks awesome yeah side scroller action uh 2023 is all he said for that thing uh odell what was your star of the show um I want to say Splatoon, even though that's like, oh, duh. No, that's allowed. So when I played the test fire, I wasn't that impressed. I was like, "Mm, you know, slightly better Splatoon 2. Right. That's cool. You know, connectivity issues, but it's a test fire, whatever. You know, looked cool. It it, it was all like, yes, these are things that probably should have been in Splatoon, but now they're here. So it's not as impressive. It's kind of like, cool, it's there now, you know, like most games. But playing it in person, like, you know, with that, with no drops, it was amazing. It was, I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I don't think Splatoon has ever been this fun. But also, like, I can look to my teammate and be like, yo, bro, you want to take this wall? And it's like, yeah. And I'm like, we need voice chat and Splatoon ASAP. What do you mean? You got the app. Oh, 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 of course, Hanson, you're right. I can log into the Nintendo app and meet, you know, become friends with some stranger and then we can like touch the chat in the middle of this fast paced action game. Right. Gaming. Yeah, you get it. No, I'm I'm jealous. Like that seems like an ideal situation of like getting to play Splatoon like next to your teammates. If you have that level of communication, I feel like that can really elevate that experience. Even like, you know, Janet, I know you got really into Splatoon 2 and uh, Splatoon 3. I still have dreams. Maybe we can do it here at MinMax. Maybe it'll be a new show plus for next week. But like, I think it'd be fun to take Splatoon 3 more seriously than we should and like focus on communication and shout outs like there's some sick part of me that wants to get stupid serious about Splatoon 3 I'm totally down to do that like I I love Splatoon you know you mentioned like I got heavy into Splatoon 2 I was heavy into Splatoon 1 I almost bought my own Wii U so I could play that in college when I was away from my house's Wii U (laughs) I love Splatoon um and I actually went to I think I told the story before but I went to um a Splatoon meetup back when I was in Chicago where part of the goal of the meetup was to have like this is like so dorky they had like people that were really good at the game like walking around in, like the little lab coats like as you know very <laughs> yeah. Splatoon-esque and like they watch you play and they would give you like tips on your game so like I like learned a lot from like even just that experience like I would love to go heavier into like the like esports style which they have that too oh I don't know if you saw like the the esports competition they had with Splatoon at, on the show floor oh yeah um yeah, I'm I'm already there. Like, am I as good enough as someone that takes it that seriously? Maybe not, but like I'm I'm in it. I love that game. Like I have so many hours in that franchise. Yeah, it seems like Splatoon 3, the reviews are out. Uh, we don't have our copy yet, um, but we'll be playing it on launch day. But uh, it's at an 84 Metacritic right now. And just kind of reading some of the reviews, they say it's a slightly better version of Splatoon 2. Like, I was hoping for people to come away saying, like, oh my god, the single player is a complete game changer, because, like, I really enjoyed the single player uh, campaign in Splatoon 1 and 2, Um, and so I was hoping that was going to be a step beyond, and it still seems to be somewhere in that arena of, like, more fun than you think it's going to be, but still not exactly a top-tier Nintendo campaign experience, which I'm a little bit disappointed by, but still, I'm very curious yeah. about this thing. No, because I wish y'all were there. I don't know if you went to the booth at all, Janet, or got to play it, but in matches, there was, like, you know, a visceral, like, people were hyped, mm-hmm. like, glued oh, in. Man. Like, the experience just elevated the game for me. Like, looking next to my teammate and him being like, he was like, bro, how good are you? And I was like, I'm like no, how good <laughs> no, are you? No, it's scary. He, he, <laughs> I was like, and I was like, 
are you really trying to push right now? He was like, bro, I think we can push. And just like having our other teammates, he was like, he, we didn't know each other. He was like, hey, y'all, y'all down for this? Just follow us. And then like that, like that team wipe up until like the last 30 seconds, it was just flattering, spawn killing. It was just like, oh my God. I was like, oh my, like, if I could have this at home, I can play this game literally like all weekend long. I think, yeah, you just got to get on Discord with your friends. You got to get the right group. Like it is possible to have an amazing Splatoon multiplayer experience. So I'm really curious to see how it all shakes out. Um, let's see, other highlights, Janet? Anything else pop um, out for you? Yeah, like a bunch. I mean, this is like spoilers for the VOD of the panel. If you're going to go back and watch that, which is very, is very specific slice of the audience, I think. But um, yeah, like for other indie stuff, I really liked um, Potion Craft. It's a game coming out, I think, later this month. Um, it's a kind of, you know, you're, ma you're making these potions. It's like a sim game, oh, one yeah. click. Um, and the fun thing about it is like you, it invites you to experiment with the recipes. So unlike other sims where like a lot of the sim genre is like, hey, go do this thing and then you do the thing and that's how the game progresses, which yeah. is fun. But what's nice about this is they kind of allow for a bit more experimentation. Like you can mess with how you prep the ingredients to make a more efficient potion. And there's um kind of this big like spider web looking map of you sort of randomly crafting your way into a recipe and then you can save that recipe for later. And I think that's really it's sort of secret sauce. Um, and then the booth setup was also just beautiful. So that, that that's like definitely one. one. Yeah. Um, I can shout out more, but I want to, you know. We can kind of go back and forth, keep it keep it short. But well, I am curious, um, Jacob Geller, are you all in on Lies of P at this point, the Pinocchio Bloodborne game? I mean, I'm I am absolutely going to be there day one or before if they will let me. Like I, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Cause was that a big one at the show? It seems like it really popped in a big way not too long ago, and now it was actually playable at PAX. Yeah, um, Odell. I don't know if did you get a chance to play Lies of P at all. Um, I'm, I'm just going to put this out here. I am not the biggest souls born fan on the planet. That's fine. At all. That's fine. You're I, welcome, I saw man. it. I saw it and I was like, that's cool. That's nice. What were I'm people, happy I almost for people didn't, that are happy. I almost didn't play it. Cause like I was talking to people about it and they're like, yep, it's like, it is soulsy. It's hard. And I'm like, do I want to like take this L today? But I'm like, you know what? Why not? So I waited again toward the end of the show. Cause it, it had a, a very substantial line. I feel like, um, especially for a game that's just a few monitors at the AMD booth is where Lives of P was set up. Right, um, interesting. But I thought they had like quite quite a, a good amount of people there. I, I did play it. My boyfriend also played it. Um, I liked it fine. You know, it is very Souls. It is very heavy. Um, the It does remind me of Demon Souls in that way. Like the character movement is yeah. heavy. Um, some things I thought were cool. Again, it was so hard to wrap my head around uh, what was going on with like all the inner workings. And unlike other booths, like... No one was like walking up to you like, let me tell you about this game. They kind of were just like, I mean, I'm sure if I asked, maybe he would have explained it, but they have like some interesting. Like, I am Janet Garcia. <laughs> Explain vlogger. this game to me. <laughs> I know. Um, but I just mean like maybe he knew, but also like I think he's more of an AMD guy, not like a right, you know right. representative of this game specifically. Um, but they had some like cool stuff with like certain abilities. One thing that stuck out that I did catch on to is you have and I think they show this on the Gamescom um, like trailers, but you have like this grapple mechanic where you can pull enemies towards you. Yeah. And that did feel very, very cool. Um, yeah. And they also have um, the setup. It seems like it might be, I don't want to say more generous with saves, but it seemed like you had, and I don't remember if this carried over because I did, I did die once and I don't think I checked, but you can kind of unlock these little like artifacts that serve as like 
fast travel points within like a level um again i don't know offhand if that like carries over if you die or if you got to restart and like and how that kind of functions but sure it does seem like maybe it'll have some degree of that kind of you know shortcutting which is like a big thing in in demon souls uh as well but yeah i enjoyed it I thought the enemies were like cool and creepy looking um the parry also felt very good i did pull off a parry shot to that i thought the tell was fairly clear um and yeah, like I, I had a, a solid time with it and I'm, I'm definitely okay. going to play it when it comes out or the, earlier if they will have me as well. But we'll the, see if um, I get through it. The trailers have looked very uh, expensive, very yeah. high production value. When you were playing it, did you get a, was it more of like, oh, this is a double A game like this does not have, you know, whatever. Or is it like, you know, does it does it look as good in motion as the trailers make it look? Um, maybe it looks like slightly not as good the way most games do, but I, I, I was totally fine with the look of it. Like, I didn't think, oh, this looked like a budget production. It did remind me, I think, of like that Demon Souls look, which, um, it's interesting because I played the remake as like my first time playing a Souls game, my first time playing Demon Souls, and the remake looks totally like good and fine but like i remember really oh. playing it and like my chat being like oh my god it's so beautiful and i'm like i mean i look it's it's fine like the stones look good like i don't think i'm i'm not losing my mind over it um so i felt like it was pretty akin to that um oh i yeah. mean if you say it's akin to blue points demon souls for ps5 one of the best looking games quoted on that like it looks right. as good, blah, blah, blah. but like you know it looked totally like okay. fine i it's think it had cheap. like solid detailing oh. like i thought it i did not play it and think <laughs> oh this it looked so much better in the trailer it looks like crap here like i right, thought it was right, right. i thought what you saw was pretty much what you got again very small slice i kind of just walked down like a random street i think i even i started like on someone else's file and stuff it was very like oh, okay it was a very chaotic uh, uh, demo experience for myself but yeah i thought it looked fun okay right what now. i took from that you were like people it's rocks how good can rocks look <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing, I know there's like lighting and what and again I'm not like I'm not quite like you know You're fine. a graphic stand to begin with but yeah it looked fine it looked fine it looked good and well all right so people can check out that archive we can we can share the link in the description if you want to see Janet's full panel where you just went around the horn and talked more about great indie games at PAX is that the general idea yeah we all picked like four or five um not all of them were playable on the show floor but a lot of them were um so yeah go check it out you know i we go into slightly more detail on all like these different games and we also talk about how to find like other indie games you're excited for yeah um and all of that stuff but what yeah. about okay deep question for you is mary kish as cool uh backstage as you'd hope for yeah i mean i think she like it's funny because she showed up and she's like oh i feel like i'm the least prepared and I just got some stuff on my phone or whatever. But I think she has like such a natural and confident presence on stage in front of an audience yeah. that I'm like, you don't have to do it. You can just, you're you. And I think that works well for her. Um, yeah. Like she's so naturally, I think funny and charming and, and also knowledgeable. I think she did such a good job at being, being very succinct with her explanation of a game, even when sometimes she's like, literally, I saw this just as a GIF on Twitter, but let me give you like a one-liner that's going to make you feel compelled in the way that I felt compelled when I saw it. And right. I think that's really cool. So yeah, yeah it was fun really meeting good. her. It was nice to see her. That's good. I also saw her the day before at the um, Xbox creator dinner that I went to, Like, but I didn't really talk to her that much. There. Oh, sure. What Xbox creator dinner? That sounds fancy. What's that like? Um, it was fun. <laughs> uh, Jeff put it on from um, Xbox. I think what is his role? Like head of... 
I want to say it's head of creators, but now I don't want to misspeak. Um, but yeah, like I was there, uh, like Brittany, like Brombacker was there. Mm. Um, Khalif was there. Uh, Jeff Rubenstein. Yeah. Um, head, like creators and editorial. I don't know if it's head, but his bio says creators and editorial at Xbox. Um, but yeah, it was cool. You know, we like had dinner. We hung out. Um, Jeff went into great detail on his knowledge of apples and like when the right like when what apple to get in what season and stuff okay. and i was like man why does like why does he know so much about this and he's like i just like decided to learn this and i was like that's cool so um yeah it was a lot of fun that sounds good yeah people watching us live at the backstage past here they say ben sounds jealous yes i'm jealous that sounds great <laughs> i want to talk about apples really with cool. jeff rubenstein uh, i was like yeah you know we're here i get to eat today and don't have to worry about it that's always a good time. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Free food is always a great time. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Just like all that free food you'll be eating in the open world experience of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. <laughs> Odell, did you watch that new trailer for that game? I sure did. Okay, what'd you think about it? Where's your hype at? Because I know you're, you're more conventional Pokemon type of guy. So every new trailer, I'm always torn. I always see something where I'm like, I hate this. I don't know what this is. This confuses me as an old man. Right. And then I see things, I'm like, this is amazing. Man, we're here. If the ninth generation isn't going to be the complete, you know, Pokemon is number one in the video game world, it's definitely going to be the 10th. I saw this, and I was like, this is fun. Why didn't I not realize that the team, the evil team would be a biker gang? Of course they would. Of course right. they would. Oh, they? because you have legendary motorcycles. Yeah. Yeah. That makes yeah, sense. Like, it, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, so here's the thing about trailer. The trailer looked cool. We saw the two, I'm going to call them mythical Pokemon. I don't know if they are. It's the fire cannon guy and the ghost sword girl. <laughs> right, right. They're, they're in, like, armor, so that looks cool. The new crab Pokemon, Cloth, Clath, okay. Kaloof. We already got enough crab Pokemon. It? Move on. We, we yeah, got it. He's, he's cool. And then, But here's the thing. After the trailer, you go to Pokemon.com, and that's where the real information is. They tell you new abilities, yeah. new moves, <laughs> stuff about the new characters. Right. And I'm just like, guys, I know none of y'all battle competitively. Or, you know, you're probably not looking at the items. But the stuff that they revealed today completely changes everything about, like, battling. And it is it's got me hyped. Like, it's such... The the moves and abilities, for example, there's the the, the crab Pokemon has a thing called Angry Shell, which is a, basically a free shell smash, which basically means your Pokemon gets about half health, their speed skyrockets, their attack special attack skyrockets, and then their defenses go down. It basically doesn't matter. You know, you're gonna you, you can one shot stuff, it can one shot you. But the thing is, you can put it, you can go behind a substitute. It makes this thing like an amazing revenge killer. Like the level of detail they're putting into these Pokemon and what they can do and what it means for the meta is insane. Like, and I like that because it's saying like it's going like, hey, look, here's all this stuff to attract people. Right. But for people like me who really delve into it and this information that they're releasing after the trailer drops, just has me spazzing out at the levels of intricacy the battle system is going through that maybe the average person doesn't realize. Do you, do you think the competitive scene is is worried? I mean, is this is such a huge shakeup? Is what, What's the general mood, you think, of that community? Well, the thing about the competitive scene is with the new gimmick, the testuralizing, turning it, your Pokemon into crystals, crystal, how do you pronounce yeah. that? Yeah, uh, I guess ultimately we don't know what that means. You know, we, we that tells like, hey, it changes the type. Maybe you can choose the type it changes to. We don't know enough information about that because that, cause, you know, just like uh, when Dynamaxing was introduced, we don't know what that means. So ultimately, it's just a question mark. But it makes me excited because it just it means they're showing a level of care that they care about it. 
that you yeah. know we're not we might not get the super smash Bros. ultimate level of balance but someone there is working really hard on this and i see you personally <laughs> Wherever you are in the credits, I see. Yeah, from from more the the poke layman's uh, perspective, it's like <laughs> uh, the new trailer. It's like okay, showing more activities, more routes outside of just going for conquering all the gyms. You can do these things. You can battle these people, and just like the variety of activities, it seems like they're really showcasing. And just like. I know this is Pokemon 101 at this point, but just like, oh, the camera work. The camera's doing interesting things. There's a variety in what they're presenting here. And just as a longtime Pokemon fan, it seems like it is a notch even above where Pokemon Legends Arceus left off. So I'm I'm optimistic about this thing. November 18th, 2022 uh, is when the new Pokemons are coming out. Janet, scale of 1 to 10, be honest, because we'll be able to tell if you're not being honest. What's your hype level mm-hmm. for this thing? Um, Can you give me like... What yeah. that scale means? Yeah, yeah. Like in great in great detail, please. <laughs> yeah, like um, how much of a tingle will you feel in your soul when it says "download complete" or when you pop in that cartridge and you boot it up? Is it going to feel like this is a special time and place? I'm probably just like an eight. I think like I'm excited okay, for the game, good. but it's not. You know, I think there's other franchises that I'm like more intensely in love with. I'll say, but at the same time, like Pokemon's always been special to me, and I think. Now that I'm back on like every mainline game, which I think that kind of started for me. I mean, really with Sword and Shield in terms of being like, I'm here forever now until something changes. Uh, With my reintroduction in the modern era being uh, Pokemon uh, Sapphire, the the remakes, like the something Sapphire, Alpha, Omega Sapphire and Alpha Ruby. Yeah, that was the one where I was like back in on Pokemon. And since then, I've been in it. Um, But I think there's again, like I am, I think among the more kind of favorable opinion of Pokemon, especially compared to you, Hanson. Like, I am excited for this. And I remember looking back on photos from, like, when Arceus came out, or Arceus or whatever, and, like, seeing my family, like, it's the only game that my entire family played. Like, we all brought our Switches out. Someone was on the TV. Three of us were handheld. It was even multiplayer. That's wild, yeah. Yeah, and we didn't even do it. We don't even do any of them, like, the multiplayer stuff that's there. We're just right. we're just all playing at the same time and, like, doing the thing. That sounds great. Um, yeah, po- I mean, Pokemon, it's unlike anything else. Uh, it's one of the only RPGs I will consistently finish. And not just finish, but also put insane hours into at times. Like, yeah. Sword and Shield, granted, it's because I did the guide, but I had, like, I don't know, something crazy, like 80 hours in Sword and Shield or something. Um, so I had to find out how to make all that curry, but, you know. It's <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, looking forward to that thing. Um, anybody watch that uh, the trailer for the Cyberpunk DLC that they revealed? Jacob Geller, Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty is the name of this thing. It's a pretty quick teaser. They revealed that Keanu Reeves is coming back. Uh, Phantom Liberty, Jacob Geller, will pop for you for, for this DLC. I mean, I so to, to to be clear i have not played cyberpunk 2077 really? uh so i and i probably uh, won't at this point but <laughs> what i do i mean i just think it's interesting that it's like this is the first piece of content they've put out since it's been a finished game you know right. that it, that it's kind of like them just being like uh hey you know i i know i've followed the updates of like you know progressively it's gotten more and more stable to the point where now I think you can play it and have essentially the intended experience. Right. And, but it's, but it's hard, you know, do you either wait and just not play it until it's finished or do you play it unfinished and then 
you know, you don't really want to go back and do it again. So now with the DLC, hopefully it'll be able to like bring people back and be like, I don't know, there's a game now, you know, <laughs> you can play this and maybe live that cyberpunk fantasy. Yeah, it's weird to think about just the journey of cyberpunk. And, you know, we did the deepest dive on that game. So if you want to hear us talk about the game for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, you can check it out on YouTube or in the bonus podcast feed. But um, we had a great time with it. But it is weird. Like, I feel like on this podcast, even we're talking about just, oh, yeah, once that new gen version's out, that's going to be kind of this renaissance for cyberpunk. And I don't think it really happened. Like, a couple more people checked it out, maybe. And now even just the way we're talking about this with the Phantom Liberty DLC, it feels like another instance of just like, maybe this will be the time when we collectively can say, you know what? Cyberpunk is cool now and we can I mean, forget the, the Rocky the launch. The thing that I saw that feel free to fact check me on this if this is wrong, but like a commenter was saying that like the Witcher 3 Blood and Wine on the same timeline had been out for nine months if like the Witcher 3 released when Cyberpunk did, which was like the the second of its like two huge DLCs, you know, of right. which Blood and Wine especially was like, a game length DLC and it's like that had been out for almost a year by this point and so they have kind of because they had to spend so much time fixing it like that's not a conversation that's interesting to have and so I feel like it kind of fell out of you know people's consciousness far faster than The Witcher which was releasing these like huge and very acclaimed DLCs. Yeah, I'm curious, though, if it's like a one-two punch because this DLC is coming 2023 and then next week there's a show that I think looks cool, like the Cyberpunk Edge Runners is going to be on Netflix, which is an anime. Cool. And I feel like no, maybe I'm just not glued into Twitter at the right times or something, but it seems like no one's talking about just the fact that that anime looks awesome and like what we loved about Cyberpunk more than anything else was that world. And so seeing it from like this anime perspective, I think that might impress people again and might soften people's... I don't know, opinions of cyberpunk a little bit more. But uh, Janet, did you watch this trailer for Phantom Liberty? Yeah, I didn't really get what I was looking at watching. Right. I've been played it a couple times in the background now. And I'm like, also, does this take place after the ending of the campaign? I don't think it does. It must be. They'll probably just, I know, no, no, no spoilers, but I think it just kind of squeezes it in <laughs> to like the middle of that story and whatnot. Yeah. Because it's. it's so, there's still two big areas that you can't access in the game to this day. So I assume it's going to let you go to one of those. Well, it said from the description that it's kind of burrowing in on one of the districts. I don't know if it's a, a new area per se, but just focusing on the story. But like that world is big enough that I don't mind that if there's telling a new story in that already existing world. Yeah, I think the thing with cyberpunk, like it's just been it's already tainted. And the reason it can't untaint itself is because it's a single player game. Um, it's like well, at least with like No Man's Sky, like the and it's a, it has a, a direct campaign, which I know No Man's Sky has like through lines of like, you know, what they pitch with their updates. But right. it's a lot more about like, hey, come and join this world and, and explore and discover. And the game is what you make it like. That's the kind of game it is. So when they made it better, it's like there were reasons to maybe come back or reasons to like join in and feel like you're not really behind because it's, it's inherently is an ongoing game. This isn't an ongoing game. This is a single player game that came out, came out broken. And also even when the parts that weren't broken, it also just didn't, I don't think rock the world with what it did. Like it had so many, like it really thought it was going to like, like, there were people that were like, this is going to change what games are. Well, and I'm like, insane. I think it's just going to be a fine game good to great game. I don't think it's going to reinvent gaming and it didn't. And I think even like when people did play it 
not bugged. People aren't sitting around saying, oh, this is a masterpiece that just happened to be broken. It's a fine RPG. I think I think it's a I think it's a pretty good open world RPG. Yeah. And, and people like, don't want to go back. Like, I mean, there are definitely obviously it's weird because we're like of a very specific audience of like we make this show and that already makes us you know, in a small percentage of gamers. But while there are people that may like wait for sales or whatever, like I don't think there's many people clamoring about like this is a must play or it's a game of the generation. The story yeah. of this game is sometimes you are too ambitious and you release a broken project and you ruin your studio's reputation. That's the story of this game. It is. People aren't, aren't really giving that. Well, actually, it's a if underneath that is a game that is fine among many other games that are of the same quality that don't have that it's, baggage. It's north of fine. Yeah. You know, I I disagree wholeheartedly, but only because... So, yes, the game is tainted, and I get that. It deserves to be tainted. But I'm looking at, like, there's so many games that people just don't play. And yeah. in five, ten years, people are like, this game was effing amazing. No one played it, but it was... And, then, and people come back, like, you know what? It was amazing. And I'm just like, okay, if you take away the taint, let's just say Cyberpunk was the game no one played. And now, sure. you know, it's in a place where you can play it. And I'm like, because I, I champion all the time. I think it's a game. If you love games, you should play this from beginning to end. And I'm like, all right, fine. You didn't play it back then. Maybe you were. But I'm like, how many people was going to buy a day one? If I tell you this game's amazing now, you never experienced the bugs. You never bought the game. You never had to fight to get your money back. In my mind, you have no reason not to play this game. It's like, oh, well, you know, it had a rocky... What does that matter? You wasn't there for it. You didn't have to experience that. It's in a good place now. Yeah. You should just play the game. Because I'm just like, yeah, stuff happens. I mean, unfortunately, it does. I mean, yeah, I am not agreeing. Like, yeah, it came out. But what I feel like, the game was good. I had such a great time with the game, with the bugs. And then after the next-gen release that came out, had an even better time. And just the world was so engrossing and stuff to where I'm like, if your only reason to not play this game was its rocky start and you didn't even buy it yeah then i feel like if you're still riding that horse now you need to get off of it because you you at the end of the day really weren't affected yeah i mean the game sold 13 million copies like there's plenty of people out there who have some experience with it started it at least so there's an audience out there potentially for this dlc and whatnot but I, i'm at least i'm very intrigued on the premise here, which is that you're working for the, quote, new United States of America. That's all we can really tell from this teaser is that V, the main character, has signed up to be this government agent. And Keanu Reeves' character, Johnny Silverhand's like, uh, this is a bad idea. And so I'm very curious to see where they go just working that much talking about the government. You know, it's a game that doesn't exactly hold back. It was swinging pretty hard. So I'm curious to see just narratively where they're going with this thing. But I have a theory. What's that? Because... If you look at the map and you pay attention to newscasts and, under, and you know, watch things, Texas is not a part of the new United States. They are currently at finally. war with Texas. <laughs> yeah. How dare <laughs> you? We finally uh Shout out to all our Texas listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in Houston, y'all. I'm, I'm right here with y'all fighting, fighting the good fight. But. He's on the podcast. <laughs> Shout out to Odell. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm like, I'm why going... is that Odell? Why wasn't it part of the... No, okay. It, Janet's like, it makes sense why he wants the game to succeed now. It makes sense. It's, it's all yeah. there. Odell, what's this agenda really about Odell? All right, no. And yeah, so they're at war with Texas. Texas has stole missiles from the United States, and they're shooting it on them and all. So I'm like, maybe it's that. It, it could be something completely different, but if I'm going off what the game, you know, the little side stories, and if you're paying attention, I feel like it's going to be a conflict. Like, yo, these Texans, they, they ain't got a line of time to 
I would like well, to see, I want to see that story. I want to see that story. Is it going to be like a Texas gang then? <laughs> like a yeehaw. <laughs> but it's like they have samurai swords somehow. Yeah. Uh, I, so, yeah, Curious to see where City Project goes. I still am fascinated by, and it's something that was easy to forget. It was a quick news story, but that idea that Molasses Flood, that studio out of Boston, that they are still working on some new game within an existing universe from City Project Red. So right. It's, so it's yeah. probably like a new Witcher game that's going to be different, not just an open world RPG, something smaller, more action focused. I don't know exactly what they're making, but that's something that that announcement will probably be coming up in the next couple of years. And I'm very curious to see what that's going to be. Um, all right, Janet, uh, thank you for being here. You've been a real champion. Um, do you have any wise words before you go ahead and clap out of here? Nah, you know, I don't know why you always end with that. I, I never have anything prepared. Like the combination is astounding. Yeah. Um, do I have any wise words? Um, I feel like this is a slightly quieter time in gaming, so um, but it shouldn't be because Splatoon 3 comes out on Friday, that's so right. I'll see y'all on the turf, you know. Uh, that's it, because I forgot all that. Don't get cooked, stay off the hook, right? That's it. Put your put your threes down for Splatoon 3, because that's what the Nintendo people told me to do when I posed with the little cutout cardboard thing. Odell, I didn't play the game, but I did get <laughs> and take a bunch of pictures, and then I got my little phone out, and I got my Nintendo rewards points, and they gave Ooh. me, hold on, wait, hold on. For one of them, I got this bag that says Nintendo Versus, and on the side it says, for promotional use only, not for resale. So check this out on eBay uh, whenever (laughs) you decide you want to buy it, because it's definitely going to get resold. I don't even know why they bothered to put that there. But thanks for having me. I'll see y'all later. Bye, Bye. Bye. Leo Vader, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Nice to have you. What were you doing before you were clapped into existence? Well, I kind of glazed over the podcast uh, description in the Slack, and I thought I was going to be on it from the beginning. So I was sitting there waiting to get called for like 20 minutes. And I was like, Hanson, is this going all right? I messaged you both places, Discord and Slack. I was like, oh, I see what I did. But now it's only 20 minutes until I'm going to be on the podcast. So like, I don't really have time to do anything really. So I kind of just sat there for 20 more minutes. So it's been like 45 (laughs) minutes of me just kind of idling as a human yeah if you can feel that energy in leo's voice that's all because of yeah just he's been sitting there in the parking lot raring to go you want to hear something sad leo Um, always okay uh what was it like thursday or friday i sent a slack message to be like hey no monday meeting because it's labor day so at the day off everybody um and but let's meet tuesday at 10 a.m let's have the meeting then and then here's some other odds and ends for the weekend stuff to keep mind need to figure out better together stream all that fun stuff um and then on tuesday I woke up and posted like the results of the new show plus poll and then wrote, all right, meeting at 10 a.m. Everybody, here we go. And then uh, it was 10 a.m. And I went to the meeting room in Discord and sat there quietly by myself for 10 minutes. And then I was like, where is everybody? What is happening? Should I be pissy right now? And then went and checked and turns out on that Friday message, I didn't say meeting at 10 a.m. I just <laughs> remember doing that. And it's so I just gave people like a couple hours of a heads up on a Tuesday. There's going to be a meeting. So again, yeah, no wonder nobody showed up. But it was a real gut check time of like okay all right this this is fair that i'm sitting here in this room by myself waiting for a party to emerge but you kind of put yourself in time out for that yeah and i felt it i truly felt it um hey leo welcome to the show ma'am um you hey. captured the world's imagination specifically the world inside of kyle hilliard's head recently when you said you know what i've been playing assassin's creed rogue on the nintendo switch baby <laughs> I love it. Where, why? What is going on with your life? Why are you playing this thing? <laughs> Great question. Uh-huh. 
I was asking myself the same thing. I uh, was kind of looking for something to listen to podcasts and do like open world collecting stuff on, on Switch. That was like a gap in my Switch library. I got the Assassin's Creed Rogue or Rebel Collection, which is Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag, and Rogue. You can only get them as a pair of two. Right, and right. The download didn't finish in time for bed, so I was laying there not playing it. And I was thinking literally like, why did I blow that money on that? I'm not going to enjoy this. It was an impulse purchase. This was a mistake. Right. And then the next night I booted up and I have a great damn time. And you know what? I haven't put a <laughs> podcast on once. I played all the way through it and I'm still doing completionist stuff. And I always got my game audio on. Really? Are you like a big uh, Black Flag guy? I was at the time. I never went back to it, but it is. I didn't expect to uh, be so ready to get back into that mindset. Like yeah. exploring around fits so well on the Switch. There's all these little distinct islands you're sailing to. And it's like... A lot of really satisfying stuff to be able to like hop right into without the typical like long boot up of a console Assassin's Creed. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So, you know, we we're just talking about Cyberpunk and I think Assassin's Creed Unity was kind of in that similar camp of like it was a mess right when it launched and then people were too focused on that and didn't go back to it. You know, I know there's a lot of defenders of Unity now where they say it's actually patched up and one of the best Assassin's Creed games. And so I feel like that cacophony when Assassin's Creed Unity launched of it being such a mess was a double whammy because it also heard Assassin's Creed Rogue, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it came out on the exact same day as Assassin's Creed Unity. It was kind of like the last-gen version that people could go to. So this thing was like I mean, buried I upon think, buried. There, I think there's no way, like there's no world that Unity could have released in where people would have been like, and an equally big deal is Assassin's Creed Rogue. Like it's just like <laughs> the bad one. They it really they were just releasing like, hmm, if you if you can't buy the new system, here's your consolation prize. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. a pretty unhinged decision to release them on the same <laughs> it's day. So I don't know what Ubisoft was thinking, but yeah, I mean, back at Game Informer, we did a dual cover story for Unity and Rogue. And it was very much the idea of like, hey, Unity is the big, sexy, next-gen thing. And then, and also Rogue's here. So every time we had to do a video interview about Assassin's Creed Rogue, it was like, oh, okay, oh, going back to Black Flag stuff, that's nice. So it was all worth it in the end. All the trouble and pain of development because Leo gets to sit in his bed and say, you know what? Assassin's Creed Rogue rules. <laughs> and, you, and you know what? You know old Leo, old most video games should just take the story out completely. Right. I love the story in Rogue. I think it's great. What, what is it? It's <laughs> You're a Templar for the first time oh, in the series. Right. You're That's playing the as hook. the bad guy. And I keep expe kept expecting them to walk it back, but it doesn't. So you're just going you're around killing, killing assassins? assassins? Yeah, and it's awesome. Through the entire like game? Really yeah, it's really well told, too, because you start out as a member of the Assassins and then eventually your friends become your enemies as you turn to the Templar side and stuff. But that is really like well paced and believable. It's like a consistent, cool story of why you would become totally like. Uh, you know, against the Assassins, right. no better word than against for that, I decided <laughs> <laughs> he's Googling the thesaurus.com. Um, so what to, give me the high highest highs of Assassin's Creed Rogue. When do you think you're at your moment of like, oh yeah, look at it go. <laughs> well, I love stealth games because uh, you get a lot of gadgets typically. Right. I feel like I don't even typically, I'm not that obsessed with the stealth of stealth games. It's just like the fact that it's a stealth game means that you have to have enemies that react to different situations differently and you have to have different gadgets to like mess with them and outsmart them you know it's almost yeah. like a side effect of that 
and realizing that the rope dart, which was in Assassin's Creed 3, if you remember, you throw the rope dart from up on a tree branch and then you fall down and it hangs the guy. Right. Realizing that you can use that in all kinds of situations of just like from the ground pulling somebody off a ledge or like parrying and then using your rope dart and you just pull them towards you and flip them over your shoulder or pulling them down into another guy, hitting them both while they're down. It's like I was surprised how much depth there was in the gadgets. And also every Assassin's Creed fan has been wondering, when do we get our grenade launcher? It's here. It's in Rogue. You get a grenade launcher. <laughs> it's absurd. really good. Like a new age, modern day grenade launcher. <laughs> Not fully. It's kind of like if a musket could shoot uh, little balls of powder uh, is where they went with it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That works for me. That works for me. Um, how are you feeling about the upcoming Assassin's Creed stuff? So there's a Assassin's Creed showcase happening on Saturday. Um I'm not sure if we'll do a reaction stream for that. Leaning towards probably not, but stay tuned to our YouTube channel just in case we do. Um, but if you've been following um, the leaks and stuff, by the way, spoilers, everybody, for this Assassin's Creed showcase if you don't want any inside dirt on what's going to be shown there. But have you been following those leaks and stuff, Leo? A little bit. I've seen the leaked art and stuff. Yeah. Which looks cool. And honestly, for me, like an Assassin's Creed game is only as good as its setting. So really, that's that's the main difference. I have no problem with the with the new Assassin's Creed games. Besides, yeah. I just wasn't into the setting of Valhalla, so I, I'm on board for what they're doing. Yeah, so Ubisoft actually confirmed this after a couple of leaks that uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage is coming, and it's taking place in Baghdad in the 800s. And this was originally going to be DLC uh, for Valhalla, but they spun it out. Um, but the hook that I think is really interesting, and I'm glad that they're doing, is they're ditching the RPG stuff, and they're focusing just on stealth gameplay for Assassin's Creed Mirage. And I immediately thought of you, Leo. Like, is that getting back to what you like, or do you like the stealth and the RPG stuff? Sure. I mean, I again, I had no problem with the new ones. It is very different. It is a, like a different kind of game. And if I were to choose which one they'd be making, I would say go with that more classic stealth focus. Yeah. It is kind of a tough for a stealth gamer to be doing those number calculations instead of just like, I'm in the right place. I've done the work of getting into this situation, but now I have to do this extra step of like comboing my attacks to make sure they actually die instead of just taking them down or whatever. Right. Hey, as as MinMax's number one loot hater, I would like to say <laughs> that I am happy that they're going in the stealth direction because I do not like uh, looking at the numbers on different swords and deciding which one is better. Yeah, this seems like it's yeah. going to be for you. So this thing's coming out 2023. I'm curious to see the gameplay and all that stuff, and that setting seems interesting. And then, spoilers, 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 they're also apparently uh, revealing at this event that Assassin's Creed Infinity, which is going to be kind of their platform moving forward, that there's going to be two games released within that platform or revealed. This is according to a Bloomberg report. Um, and one of them is the holiest of holies, uh, the Assassin's Creed game set in Japan. They're finally going to do it, uh, which is very exciting. Um, and then also the other one is, this is the one I'm more curious about because they say it and I... I don't know what that setting means exactly. I'm not enough of a history buff, but it has me intrigued. Like, ooh, I'm ready to learn something new about that. But the other game takes place in the later stages of the Holy Roman Empire. So like, what? There must be mm. a reason. By they like, chose we're going to be part of the reason why it falls later stages. I I don't know, I, but it has me intrigued. Like, well, no other game has ever been set in that era i'm curious to see how that goes was it called rise fall of rome or rise son of rome son of rome okay you're right then 
Yeah. You know, like I, th- I'm not trying to make a joke or trying to make any comment. I'm just literally wondering, are you going to meet Jesus in this game? No. Oh my God. Although, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm and, and you, you, you meet Jesus and he's like, I invented a new blade for you to hide. On your like, no, like, is he like, you know, Jesus is like, I helped create it dissolve. I am the son of man, son of God. Like I'm just, I'm just the later stages of Jesus, Rome. That's Jesus where my mind is like, in, in a little while, I'm going to want one of your descendants to fist fight the Pope. Can you do that for me? <laughs> I love this. So also you wouldn't, uh, what well, if you're Judas? And no, <laughs> this is, this is much like <laughs> that. I did just help Benjamin Franklin, uh, discover electricity in rogue. Oh, really? Ready to go, yeah. man. Yeah. So I, 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 I Hey, Hey, Ben, if yeah. Hanson, if this happens, you, you got to plug He's people not, back it, here. This, this is hundreds and hundreds of years Jesus later. Was <laughs> Well, hang on. I mean, you all joke. You look it up. Jesus of Nazareth is in the Assassin's Creed wiki. Well, um, there, there but it's go. confusing because I'm reading it and it's just like an actual biography of Jesus. Is, is this like is this like when Wikipedia has an entry for apples? Yes. It's like, yes, <laughs> it is exactly that. But there might be like one line where it's like everybody knows that Nia Nub loves apples. It's just like but trying to figure out like what where the truth is from the fiction. So uh, they say uh, early Christians wrote down Jesus's life and teachings as the New Testament. His miraculous powers were discovered to be to be due to processing ancient te- technology from the it's from the isu including a shroud of eden so it, yeah they're definitely talking about ancient technology in the new testament right yeah, like so that's all canon we got there so it's yes. all because of the isu teaching jesus these elements the oh. water to wine filter <laughs> <laughs> uh all right so i'm curious to see yeah how the assassin's creed event goes and all that fun stuff and how they fan base reacts i mean leo are you excited about the future of assassin's creed at all outside of that mirage game do you think like that platform idea is interesting um i'm worried about everything trying to be everyone's only game there's just not enough time in the day and people have their games already i you know i only am concerned it's doomed to fail and will be embarrassing uh but i think i haven't seen enough at this point to write it off totally conceptually yeah, yeah, I'll see how it goes. It could be interesting. Also, Tencent uh, bought a 49.9% stake in all things Gimo. Uh, so that's a, a big, big move into the they future They had to change of their name to 100%. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> oh, man, take them down a peg, Leo. Yeah, roasting the biggies. Ooh, that's a good theme Sorry. for the Thanksgiving joke-a-thon this year, Leo. If all we do is joke about anybody who bought somebody else. Just tear them down for having the I money love to dispense it. Um, hey, speaking of Jesus, uh, there's a game that came out recently on Game Pass called Immortality, everybody. Jacob Geller, you've been playing this. I, I have not finished this yet. I have not seen credits roll, but this is going to be as spoiler-free as we can possibly make it if that works for you, Sir Geller. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I, well, here's the thing. Yeah. It's both hard to talk about the game without spoilers, and it's also hard to talk about. I have been talking about this game with other people who have beat it, and it's still hard to talk about just because of like. I don't know. Here's here's how I'll start. (laughs) Remember, uh, like three weeks ago when we were having a conversation about like the blank checkiest games of all time. Right, right. This, you know, it it didn't cost one hundred million dollars. This kind of feels like one. 
That's interesting. Okay, so let, let's let's take a step back here. This is from Sam Barlow, a uh, creator of Her Story, wrote A Silent Hill, help me out, Homecoming? Telling Which one Lies. Yes, Telling Lies was the other game, yes. Uh, the War Games game, which nobody else on Earth remembers exists, but by God, we played it. Um, also, fun fact, Sam Barlow was on this very podcast. I'd be amazed if you remember this, but please let me know if you remember this. He was on this podcast back in 2020 talking about Telling Lies, I think coming to consoles or something like that. Um, but then in that interview, he also talked about the next game that he was just starting to work on. And it was the earliest stages of immortality. And I think it's a spoiler even to talk about the way he was talking about this game back then. Um, but it's funny at the end of that. Oh, I yeah, I should go. You should go back and check it out. That. I'm very end, curious. At the end, he's like, yeah, we're aiming for this next game to be out in 2022. But that's a crazy sci-fi date. So it doesn't even sound real. So now we're living in science fiction world, baby. So uh, the <laughs> hook of this game, it is you play as a video editor. The part we were all born to play. Um I guess is the best way to put it. So you're a video editor I mean, combing. But okay. Well, Jacob Geller. I guess you're not uh, the. It's it's more like a. You have access to video Correct. editing Correct. tools, but yes. you're not you're not trying to like make a movie. That's right. That's right. You're given a bunch of behind the scenes footage um, of this actor's career, and you're combing through all of these clips trying to piece together exactly what's going on because there's a bunch of mysterious circumstances around it. And uh, the big thing is just like her story and telling lies, this is uh, live action. This is an FMV game. Um, from what I've played, I'm like uh, four and a half hours into this thing. Um, I'm really enjoying it. It feels like Sam Barlow has such a weird niche in the industry. And I remember enjoying her story so much, but also at the same point time being like, I don't know how you do like another one of these and telling lies. It wasn't exactly fully on board for, but it's a pretty good hook of just now here's an angle that feels a little bit like her story of trying to piece together this larger mystery of just combing through all of this footage. And then the big thing is you can quote unquote take match cuts where you have a little magnifying glass. And if you clicked anywhere in the video after pausing it, it'll jump and jump to another piece of footage that has that element, whether it's a person's face, whether it's a background item, anything like that, or certain pose, you know, action, stuff like that. It'll jump to that. So through that lens, then you're exploring more and more and more and more footage, trying to get this complex uh, puzzle in your brain. And the thing that I think is really interesting about it, there's a lot to unpack here without even spoiling it, but just like, it's an interesting idea to try and unravel this mystery that's based on footage of three different films across these eras. And so it's like, okay, how much can I learn about what's really going on with this actor based on these three different films? And here's some raw footage of them doing a take with a snake in a pool. What can I really learn about that? But then finding like, okay, this is actually a piece of behind the scenes footage, or maybe you learn a little bit more about a personality before they say action, but the camera's rolling, right? And so it's trying to figure out like the layers of reality of like, okay, this is actually a more useful piece of info for how these characters are relating to each other because there's not a clapboard at the start of this clip. Am I unpacking yes. that well, Jacob Geller? I, I think so. I mean, it's like, you know, my, my kind of pitch which maybe only works if you played her story, but I, I especially this is on Game Pass. It's going to yeah. be like a Netflix game, so I think you'll be able right. to play it on your phone pretty soon. Um, but like the idea that I just keep thinking about is like her story, uh, a very good game, is a game with one 
woman being filmed in one room. Yes. And that is the whole game. And this game is three full length movies <laughs> with like full production and sets and costumes and special effects. And it's just like the the ambition is unbelievable of kind of like, you know, you're you're trying to discover this mystery that goes between all of these movies, but you are also just figuring out the plot right. of three separate movies that you're watching in some are in rehearsals and some are in like chemistry tests and some are basically finished scenes but you know there's always like a little at the beginning and a little at the end um and and the filmmaking styles are radically different between the two because they take place like in very different eras of film and even geographically very different locations right. and so it's just like you know the reason that i said it feels so blank checky is that like it it's a game and you're playing it like a game, but it's like the idea of just shooting three movies right. and then slicing it up. And so it fits in a game. It just kind of boggles my mind. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you have a better sense of it. Can you actually string all these scenes together? Is it everything you'd need for the movie? I don't think I'm at well, that point it's, yet. It is, I would say, most scenes of the movies movie are there but often it's like you're getting one camera angle right, on a scene right. that obviously in the finished product would have like shot reverse shots but like i have a i could tell you the plot of the movies yeah like that, you know and so and weird. that's and and the, they are interesting in and of themselves even removed from this absolutely nutty cerebral <laughs> extra thing that's going on yes that's the, that's that's a good way to put it is nutty and cerebral um and there's some other words that i won't use so i won't spoil anything here but that's the weird thing is like i love playing her story so much because i loved taking notes and i just remember having pages of notes of trying to unravel like what is going on here and starting this game i was starting to take notes and then i'm like well i'm just taking notes on like the plot of the movie and the different characters names like that's not really helpful so what should i be taking notes on like okay this actor when they yell cut interacts with this person this way it's a tough thing to try and wrap your head around it's yeah and what is what is really impressive about this is that when you figure out what is going on which takes i mean like Another interesting thing is uh, people have very different completion times on this game. Yeah, I would say it took me about seven hours. I talked to Ana Diaz today who said she beat it in about two and what? also had no idea what was going on. And so I was telling her like, <laughs> no, this is fundamentally what the story was about. And she was like, I did not get that. So she like almost accidentally speed ran the game and got credits yeah. without the yeah, context. Yes. Okay. But it's like once you know what's going on, then the seemingly routine plots of the movies all have this kind of extra resonance because they are actually very specific to the like meta story okay. of what's happening. But it's something that you can only appreciate after you do all the work of kind of sifting them out to find the, the bits, you know, between the lines. Yeah. I, um, I don't know if you caught this classic faux pas, Leo, but I was excited about going into this game completely blind. You know, I skipped on the Next Lander podcast when they talked about it. Cause I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I, I remember vaguely some trailers, 
but I don't really remember. It was something about actors. So I was like, this is going to be fun. I'm going to just stream this. So I tried streaming it last week, like Thursday or Friday, I forget. And like went live on MinMax's Twitch channel. I was like, all right, I'm jumping into Immortality for the first time, completely blind. I don't know what's going on here. And then people in the chat were like, ah, uh, <laughs> you might not want to stream this one. I was the, like, I, I don't the know. The official Xbox channel was streaming this and I really? did not watch, but I was like, how are you going to do that? Because, yeah, the best way to put it and what people in the chat were trying to brace me for is like, yeah, we listened to the section on Nextlander where they talked about this and they described it as one of the most adult games ever made. And like, based on everything that I've seen so far, yeah, that, there is a lot of nudity, a lot of very mature themes. It would have been extremely uncomfortable to to stream it so i streamed it for like 10 minutes and then i was like the tone of these clips is weirding me out and i need to go offline to experience this thing i yeah, do relate to that i i once tried to do a stream of watching only mario parodies and the first one was like sonic and mario racing cartoon and it was the most offensive thing i've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> oh my god oh, my friend was on it and he tweeted out he was on it and then he later he was like oh yeah when that started i like had to go delete the tweet and stuff. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it was rough <sighs> so i have a real quick question now yeah so what i'm worried about this game and now that i've heard more about it i'm still kind of worried about is this one of those games to where I don't want to say you can accidentally beat it, but you can be like getting through it. And next, thing you know, you're rolling credits and you still have no idea. What's well, going it on. seems like because, if on, I hit that. Yeah. Yeah. Because one of my biggest it's not a pet peeve, but it annoys me when I happen this game, when I beat a game and I go, I have no idea what I just did. And I, I got to go down the wiki hole. Or is it some game like and, and within regular reason, you should understand what happens by the time you roll credits. I um. <sighs> I guess technically it is possible. I mean, with with Anna's experience, I don't think so. And also I have kept playing like like the credits rolling is not really an end. Like I've just kept doing the same thing after credits and you can keep kind of finding stuff out. Really, I think the most important thing is like you got to just have someone else to talk about this with. Like I have been talking to another friend who beat it pretty consistently for like the last weekend and we keep because like even now there are a lot of scenes that i'm like oh i didn't see that or he's like i didn't get that one and so we're kind of cross-referencing with each other it is so it's, yeah. it would be hard to play totally alone i think but you don't have to like read wikis to get it it's okay. such a weird type of game and i guess her story was kind of this way as well of just like you don't know when you've quote unquote finished it it's such a weird kind of soft landing of like, do you understand the big picture yet? If you do, then I guess mission accomplished, right? Like I even had to message Jacob Geller last night where I'm like, do it. <laughs> should I be gunning for something? Like I, if you put a gun to my head, I could not explain what was going on. Like it's very funny. Like I played the first four hours of this game or so and then uh, was gone over the weekend. And I just got to spend the weekend thinking about like, I think I understand. Well, there's some angles. I think this is where they're going. And then coming back to it, uh, this week then and playing it a little bit more is like, okay, that, that is completely wrong. But it, I, it's... I think the games, my biggest criticism of the game would be it is really hard to make purposeful progress. Right. That, that the game is amazing at exploring, like letting you explore. And that is super fun. But like towards the end of my time, I was like, I think I should be wrapping up. And I just kind of couldn't figure out how to and then eventually i stumbled onto that but it's like it's you can't because you're just match cutting 
you don't really know where you want to be taken. You know, you just want to see new scenes. And so you're like, maybe I'll try clicking on this person's face again. And like, sometimes you will click on an apple and be taken to a scene you've already seen that has an apple. And some like then the next time you click on an apple, you'll be taken to a different scene with an apple. And it's just like, it's hard to, you don't really have control over what you're doing. And so that makes it hard to finish but if you just think of it as kind of like you're going to explore and then eventually it will decide you're done, you know, maybe that pressure's taken off a little. Yeah, if you're if you're a film nerd and you want an interactive mystery, this seems very much in your wheelhouse. Like, uh, can I can oh, I end yeah. with a, oh. a bold claim? Yeah. Uh, this this has a moment that if I am on that pod, I will be fighting for for moment of the year. Ooh. Oh. Do you think? I've hit it. Um, <laughs> it I, I, I mean, there's, there's literally no way. There's no way yeah, to knowing. Okay, it's a okay. it's a song. Oh, I don't think I've hit that yet. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and it's honestly, it's like I don't, I don't know if it'll, uh, I don't know if it'll win, but but okay. it, it is like for me. It's it's like the most kind of I I was just I've watched the scene like six times like i, I wow. just keep kind of and and it's not it's not like complicated it's right. just really effective well i feel like we're bearing the lead a little bit i was i was struck by the reviews for this thing were shockingly high i mean how are mm-hmm. you coming in on this thing now just for how much you enjoyed the super game? super hot okay I, it's super hot uh <laughs> now it'll be it'll be uh i don't know top three for me oh, okay like, wow, wow. I, I, nice. at least currently one of one of my favorite games of the year for sure wow immortality everybody it's on game pass available uh is it on playstation uh, i'm playing on steam uh, it's a little bit everywhere but it's a little bit everywhere everybody look into it leo do you think you're gonna check it out absolutely gonna sweet it's interesting <laughs> that it has credits like I'm yeah. having trouble picturing when that could possibly trigger. I am also. I liked wondering. her story a lot, but that was definitely. I always wanted to do a joke in like an Evo sketch or something where they were playing her story and they shut it off in like five seconds, and the commentators are like, "He did it! He found closure!" <laughs> <laughs> uh, immortality, everybody. Uh, let's see, Odell. Uh, do you know how this whole thing operates? Do you know how this podcast uh, is capable of existing? How? Let me tell you. It's because of wonderful people going to patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Uh, we exist because of you all willing us into existence. That is the only reason this whole independent games operation can exist, because people click the link, go to patreon.com slash minmax with two N's, find a tier that's right for them, and they unlock some wonderful benefits over there. Just go check out the site. That's all we ask. We, uh, we work hard to try and win your support, so if you've enjoyed our content recently, please check it out. Thank you to some of minmax's biggest supporters. Of course, we're talking about people like I am 8-Bit. They want everybody to know about We Are OFK. Specifically, they have a physical version of We Are OFK, the game for sale on PlayStation 5 and the Switch. It is the I Am 8-Bit exclusive edition. It comes with a 3D papercraft uh, constructed uh, by somebody from Debug, and it's of the cat from We Are OFK. It's very cool. Believe it or not, I Am 8-Bit is not phoning anything in. Go check out the physical version of this game. It looks fantastic. Also, they have the vinyl soundtrack for We Are OFK as well on there, so you can check that out. And you can use as the promo code for 10% on off everything in their wonderful online store under $100. You can use the new promo code LUNCHMEAT. 
no space, everybody. Lunch meat for 10% off. Go check out their store. It's one of the coolest online stores online and help support them because they support us in a big way and this community in a big way because each and every week they ship out a prize. Whoever has the best question of the week, we will honor that person and then they will ship out a wonderful prize. And this week, it is the vinyl soundtrack, the double vinyl soundtrack to Mutazion. That game, so they're getting the vinyl soundtrack just showing up in their mailbox thanks to iMateBit. So help support them, please. Uh, Odell, you ready for some wonderful questions? Yes, sir. Okay, here we go. Ian Miller writes in and says, Sup. He says, Sup, sup. Salutations, Ben and the MinMax gang. Hello. What are some game mechanics guaranteed to put a smile on your face and unlock that pure serotonin filled joy? For me, anytime an enemy gets stuck with a grenade and runs around aimlessly, wildly flailing their arms in terror, will always put me in a good mood. Am I crazy? Is there is this a cause for concern? No, I think the sticky grenade. Yeah, I mean that's that's a very Halo move. It's funny. Grunts are funny when they have a sticky grenade on them. That's just that's comedy 101, I think. Oh, yeah. I think even like watching Saving Private Ryan when they put the the sticky bombs on the treads of that tank. Everybody just burst out into the laughter. The tank in the is theater. like, oh no! Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. The cannon of the tank gets all floppy like a flailing arm. <laughs> um, but yeah, game mechanics that put a smile on your face every time. What stands out for y'all? Um, uh, I like uh, a specific one, but multiple games do it. Uh, when you are doing well enough, or something exciting enough happens, that the music gains lyrics. Uh, that before Ooh, it was yeah. instrumental. But then it's like, oh, here come the lyrics to the song. Yeah, we got what? Revengeance? Is that the number one example of that? Revengeance does that. Uh, Devil May Cry uh, will will kind of add in the like, you know, it'll be playing the metal. But then if you get like super slick style, right. it like adds the lyrics in. Uh, there, there are some others that happen in more like scripted moments. But I just like I love a song with lyrics in a game. That's really good. This barely counts. This is. I think it's just proof that I'm a really boring human being, but maybe not exactly huge grin on my face, but it always makes me happy when I see in a game time since last save. Just when you pause it or whatever and they're acknowledging, hey, everybody, you will lose this much progress if you shut this off at this point. It's just a small thing, but it's not exactly, you know, a peggle moment or something, but it, it does make me happy every time I see it because that's just respect. That's respect for the gamers on the other end of the TV, you know? Or even better when you press quit and it says all your progress will be saved. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just let us know that we're in good hands. That's all I ask. Thanks for being a bro. Yeah. yeah. Odell, do you got one that pops out for you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, wait, did you say Leo or me? Odell. I said Leo Odell. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if it's a, a mechanic per se, but I love when you, you beat a game or it's New Game Plus or what have you. You get like the super overpowered weapon, especially if you have to be like on hard or something. And I just love being like, ah, I can one shot you and I can one shot you or I can like three hit the boss. Like I love the instant gratification of being like, I worked hard for this. And now I just basically get to be unstoppable force right. in the game. Yeah, when they let you break the game. Especially if it's like goofy. Like the, the Dead Space foam finger gun is one of my favorites. Oh, I've never seen that. It's just like an unbelievable weapon. It's, yeah, you gotta it's, beat it yeah. on like extreme hard twice or something like that. Yeah, but it's like it's a big foam finger and Isaac yells bang when you shoot it. Really? Like, <laughs> yeah. That sounds really good. And it's like unlimited ammo and stuff. That's awesome. Nice. Leo, what do you got, man? Uh, when a when they procedurally generate little people and they procedurally generate little personalities for them, 
That's it. Most recently in Cult of the Lamb. That definitely puts a smile on my face. And I say immediately, like, this has gotten like four more hours out of me personally, at least. Like, just for that. <laughs> uh, are you? Did you ever look into Two Point Campus? No, I've been playing Planet Coaster lately, though. Oh, interesting. That's a bit of that. Yeah, I feel a little bit bad for not talking about Two Point Campus more in the podcast. I think Sarah and I both played a bit and we're like, oh, this seems really good. And then just didn't go back to it. But that was one that was more personalized than I thought for like, oh, you can really zoom in and like track the progress of these students in your school and whatnot. In kind of a, a fun simmy way. That's cool. Uh, Crowboy, I think they're talking about the save. They say Disney Dreamlight Valley has that where it tells you time since the last save. Yeah, uh, we'll probably talk about Disney Dreamlight Valley. For all you out there that are screaming about it, relax, first of all. We see your comments. We need you to chill. Um, but yeah, maybe next week Sarah and I can talk a little bit about that because next week also we'll be able to do a recap of all the Disney games revealed uh, on Friday as well. So sorry we're not talking about that fun stuff. Uh, Garrett Wainstock writes in and asks, would you rather have video games or outer space? <laughs> Say Why video games. Just see what happens. <laughs> just so you. <laughs> well, maybe it means just like completely black night sky. Would that be like the easiest takeaway? I mean, just like it'd be a Twilight Zone situation where just nothing can penetrate. Would it? The would it happen atmosphere? like the second I decided, or would it like retroactively wipe out space for the? all of human existence wait in, in terms of this question can we yeah. exist without space that's what i need to know first and foremost <laughs> can the earth exist without outer space i'm guessing in this scenario it can yeah. i'm gonna choose my existence over video games that i mean I'll, I'll be a very sad human but i guess or maybe or maybe not maybe since i've already experienced them what joy could i find in the world without them oh man well like if we didn't if we didn't have space i'm willing to wager that humans would even if earth existed i don't think we would have ever figured out video games like we owe we owe a lot of tech to like astronomy right so everyone buy a telescope okay but if if you were like just deleting galaxies how far could you go? If you're deleting celestial objects in real time, how far could you go and how close could you get before Earth would be That's a impacted really in some way? Like, it, could we get rid of every galaxy but the Milky Way? We'd be fine. Start deleting solar systems within the Milky Way. Could we technically delete all of them and Earth and our solar system would still be okay? Well, here's another thing. Okay, let's just say the Earth exists. We're perfectly fine. But yeah. how many great games would we miss out without the concept of space? There would be no Mario Galaxy. Right. Oh, great point. No Outer Wilds. <laughs> What's the See, point exactly. of living? Yeah. I think this would be moving That's forward. True. I think just no moving spore. forward. Yeah, what's the point of living without spore on the same planet? <laughs> well, I, I'm thinking about it like if you take space away, we either will do better working against global warming because we won't be able to like imagine we're going to go live on Mars or whatever. Right. Or global warming will be fixed because there'll be no sun and either way no global warming. So I take space away right now for no benefit. <laughs> do you really think that it was like if literally every other planet, every other option was deleted do you think that the world would have a meeting and be like, okay, now we're going to do better, guys? <laughs> do you really think that would happen? <laughs> you out of your mind? I've learned anything from uh, human society the past hundred years. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it, you're, it's a real uh, Ozymandias Watchman move. Right. Like, yeah, I took away space to bring us all together. <laughs> hey, Leah, real quick, what's that thing in Assassin's Creed that lets you go back in time? 
the animus. See, this is where we're going to do. Space is going to go away. We're going to go into Animus. We're going to go to this new Assassin's Creed game. We're going to be like, Jesus, fix this. Right. That's the yes. plot. There right. we are. There it is. There it uh, is. Steven Lamson writes in and says, hey, Maxers. Yeah, sure. That's us. Um, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Simple question. Potent. Uh, it's simple. Simple question. Simple answer. Uh, I've heard a lot in my life. It's not even advice. It's just a simple fact that, like, you know, nobody's on their deathbed wishing they worked more. Mm. I feel like I live my life by that uh, principle. Interesting. I always thought of, I think, as old Dr. Drew from Love Line, where he said that nobody on their deathbed wishes they spend more time alone. So that's, that's a good one. That's a good one to keep in mind. But hmm. more of the work angle. Yeah, I guess that's true. But what if you have really good buds at work, Leo, and you could just hang out and talk about games all the time, man? Yeah, I should have lived at work. <laughs> ben keeps offering that cot in the min-max space. Take the cot! Too good for the cot! Take the cot! Um, I don't know. This is a tough one. Does anybody else have one that pops out for him? Oh, yeah, I got one. Yeah. It comes from Brian Shea of Game Informer fame, actually. Mm. Wow. Yeah, so I don't know if he even knows this story. I never told him this, so mm. Brian, if you're listening to the show, this this one's for you. So... It was uh, maybe like my third or fourth E3, and I was like, I was going ham, you know, doing my usual, like, got to interview everyone, got to write everything, got to make as much content as humanly possible. Gotta tackle Kojima. <laughs> yeah. right. I, hope, I, hope, I hope we become friends or something one day, so I can ask him if he remembers that. But <laughs> um, And um, he was getting ready to go to this party, and he was like, hey, Odell, are you coming to this party? And I was like, no, you know, I got to go and, like, you know, be superstar. And he was like, why don't you just come to the party? And he was like, you know, you're never going to break a story by yourself. You're never going to be the first one to write it. You're never going to be the first one to publish it. And, you know, the story's already going to be out there. And he was like, you always come to these things. He was like, why don't you just try to enjoy yourself while you're here? And, like, it was such a simple thing. But it really changed my mindset of when I would go to E3, when I would go to PAX, when I would go to San Diego Comic Con, when I would right. go to all these events because – up until that moment, I never really enjoyed myself. I was my mindset was I have to get a job. I have to work really hard. I have to prove to people I'm worth their time and I'm worth the position. And then I mean, he had a point like I working myself to death at these events wasn't gonna do me no good. And that moment forward, every show I went to, I always made a personal effort to enjoy just being there because. There's, I mean, a lot of people may never, ever go there. So if I was blessed to always be at these events, I had to make a effort to myself to congratulate myself for being there and just kind of just enjoy existing in those. And I think yeah. that really helped me a lot at that point. Yeah. I mean, going to a party and actually mingling with new people and making new connections is way more valuable to your career than, I don't know, putting up a, a preview for swarm i'm trying to think of some old game right it's just like it's it's incomparable no one's no one's really going to remember that you know it's always that um, lesson of what stands out in retrospect what's going to stand the test of time and putting up some no offense Odell, some boring preview for some game <laughs> no what that's not going to impact anybody's life in a meaningful lasting way you know no, no, this yeah. is I, I wouldn't put this as like the best advice, but one that I do think about uh, a weird amount, maybe because of its source, is uh, there's an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, of course, where um, 
there's uh, there's this nerd named Jonathan, and he's he's all kind of you know distraught and and whatever. And at the end of the episode, also in this episode, Buffy can read minds. Um, and and in the end of the episode, he's like, I hate it so much here. Everyone's just like down there and they're thinking about, you know, how much of a dork I am and how much they hate me. And Buffy's like, no one thinks about you at all. Like no one ever thinks about anyone except themselves. Right. And and it's it's this kind of like everyone is selfish advice. But also it's like if if you are kind of like. We spend so much time worrying about what other people think about us. It's like everyone else is doing the same thing about themselves. And so no one is thinking about you because they're all worried about how they're being perceived. Yes. And so, like, who cares? You know, it's just like no one's thinking about you. They're all self-obsessed. Just kind of like don't don't tie yourself to what you think other people are thinking. Just today, just two hours ago or an hour ago. When I was posting, Hanson, where are you? And then I found out that you guys are doing the podcast and I just wasn't on it yet. I caught myself going like, God, so stupid. What a dumbass move. And then I was like, would I give a crap if any of you did that? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, it's the smallest deal in the world. But just do yourself a favor and don't listen to the first part of the podcast where we talked about it for at least 30 minutes, please, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> this no. is loser of the week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like you would you have to... Enter a party and trip and fall face first uh, into a cake while shouting the name of someone's mother for you to be memorable in really any way, I feel like, in a party situation. It's just like, even think of like your best friends. How often do you just think about them during the week? Uh, Six minutes? Yeah, or like, I, maybe, it's like I don't know. Think, can, you, can you remember a time where you saw someone like, awkwardly order from a menu at a restaurant right because it's like i can i can remember times that i did that and i'm like oh how embarrassing it's like no one on earth remembers that nope. no one gives a shit. yep absolutely <laughs> although <laughs> there are there are moments that i still feel bad about like you know one time we we're hiring a new video editor at game informer and somebody during their interview blew it uh, really hard, and I, we still talk about it as a legendary moment to this day. It wasn't Leo <laughs> Vader, believe it or not, so it's rare. I'm saying it's rare that somebody remembers you blowing it really hard in a social situation. Just hope it's not funny like that case was. Right, <laughs> that's exactly it. If you embarrass yourself, just make sure it's not funny anyway. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it literally this morning, too, where I was thinking about just, look, I don't want to get political, but I was thinking of just how much time people have spent in their lives thinking about politicians and have let themselves be put in a terrible mood by the actions of politicians that they will never meet. Regardless of party, just think about, that seems like the worst life to live is just to every day be put in a foul mood based on somebody that you have never and will never meet. Not saying it's not important, but like, don't let yourself be dragged down obsessing about these people. Like, oh, that fat cat's still over there on the other side of the country. It's just, it's misery. I, shout out Shango Congo in the backstage pass chat who says, one dude in Subway asked me how big a foot long is. I definitely remember that. <laughs> and I Which hope is, that dude is listening to this podcast. <laughs> it definitely follows the funny rule. But then you know right. what? You brought people a lot of joy. That's right. You know, no, no I, I'll done. give him a bit of a doubt. Maybe that dude was like out of the country, you know, and, you know, they don't use the metric system or whatever. And he was like, I, I have no reference for how, how long I See, asked you're, you're a kind soul, Odell. Yeah. Uh, Michael Lardieri writes in with a question really for Odell. He just didn't know it. But they say, picture this. In the next Pokemon game, 
After you defeat whatever is the latest version of the Elite Four, they announce a surprise fifth member. Which, by the way, pop quiz, how many times has that happened in the history of Pokemon? Is that a surprise every, fifth member? Every time? Never? Well, no. What, are, you, are you counting the champion? Yeah, I guess the champion, or like, I think Legends Arceus, I think they kind of, anyways. Okay, here we go. They announce a surprise fifth member. The theme song to the original Pokemon anime show starts to play as Ash Ketchum is introduced as your final opponent. Not Red or generic Pokemon trainer, specifically Ash. You battle his team, which includes an overpowered Pikachu, Charizard, etc. Wouldn't this easily go down as the video game moment of the year? Odell, how say you on this? I say no. You say no! <laughs> that the so song for Immortality is going to be better than that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's a weird thing because uh, I know Ash was recently added to uh, Pokemon Masters DX, the mobile game, oh, really? and now Ash and Red are gonna battle in there. Oh and it's like, no, you no, know, kind of a thing. Red Pikachu versus Ash, but I feel like, like you know, Pokemon is so distinctly you have the video games, you have the anime, you have the cards. You know, sometimes those do overlap. Yeah, but I feel like Ash in the video game world just wouldn't be as that epic honestly because it's always like we have red and we know so it it will be fun it will be fun but i don't think it will be like this mo this this moment that like uh you know geller was having an immortality i think it'll just be like oh man that was cool i think yeah i i think it'd be interesting just academically of like oh seeing the pokemon company embrace and kind of combine those worlds again because definitely in that n64 era it was like pokemon's pokemon i don't know the anime the games are all the same let's jumble them together we're gonna make a new game in n64 it's basically going to include elements from the show professor oak will be in pokemon snap all that fun stuff um the oak from the show specifically um but i feel like they've tried to and game freak specifically has tried to be like we are not the anime though that's a separate entity for so long so if they slammed them back together that'd be a really interesting what if he move. was like old and bitter what if it was yeah. like like punished ash or oh, something no, okay, now that, that would that would be something that would be like didn't see this and coming. he's got his right. pikachu has like a scar over its eye <laughs> right Ooh, yeah yeah and his butterfree is just a beast at this point feral <laughs> uh that's an option uh gavin seed writes in and says hey why hasn't microsoft made a gears of war tv show or movie franchise happen yet there's been rumors about Dave Batista being involved in a project for years, but nothing's come of it. Um, yeah, Jacob is the world's biggest Gears of War fan who's playing through Gears of War right now. How say you? I, I've been playing. I played one, four, and five. I, I don't have access to like an Xbox 360, so I haven't played two and three yet. Um, I, because, because turning video games into other media properties is stupid like that, that's the answer like the um i mean i think there are comic books or novels or whatever but like it's like gears has a surprisingly good story but like what would that look like as a movie just like beefy guys slamming into cover and and talking <laughs> yeah. about the hammer of dawn like it just what, what would it gain from doing that and stop it and pop action <laughs> on screen. Stop, stop. They should make it into like a time crisis style arcade machine. That's the only thing I want to see. That is and you get to smart. hold a Lancer. That is smart. Um, yeah, I wonder if, well, there's been a movie announced every year since 2007. I feel like it's just like, oh, Multiple this person's movies. Yeah. Or do you mean Gears of War? Gears of War. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just in general. <laughs> yeah, I agree then. <laughs> That's the stupidest joke in the podcast history. Um, but, uh, yeah, they keep announcing it, but I wonder if Microsoft is, like, realizing they need to 
hold things to a higher scrutiny or whatever at this point um, with the Halo TV show? Like, do you think... Do you think that show has done real significant damage to the impact of Halo? Having the entire fan base watch it and then say, uh-uh, poo-poo. I mean, it seems like that, that TV show just did nothing and it probably cost $200 million right. to make. Right. And so it's like, do you want to spend that much money to do nothing? And I don't know what the... <laughs> are, are they making another Gears? I assume they are, but it's like it doesn't it doesn't seem like a particularly hype moment for the franchise. No, I think they're definitely Gears Five, as much as certain people really enjoyed it. Are, are you enjoying it, Jacob Geller? I'm yeah, I'm not super far into okay. it, but it is absolutely my favorite of the ones that I've played so far. It feels like it's time for them to shake it up in some way. I don't know exactly what that would be. If it's it's probably just gonna be the living game version of Gears or something, you know, the Halo Infinite model, but also Halo Infinite's kinda kick their ass uh, in terms of development to such a big degree. Maybe Microsoft would be shy. Um, but it definitely feels like Gears 5 was them trying something a little bit different and it didn't really make much of an impact as solid as it was. Yeah. Um, you know, if I remember in my college days and like, you know, entry writing classes, the ones that I did take, I was, you know, the, the, the question that always is, who is this for? Mm-hmm. And I always feel like when I watch these game TV shows, I'm always like, this doesn't seem like it's for people who played the game and are fr- a friend of the, uh, you know a fan of the franchise. Then at that point, who is this for? Then who who is this being made for? Right. And I feel yeah. like a lot of TV shows don't have an answer to that question. The gamer wants specifically. Yeah, I hear. Uh, Nicholas West writes in and says, "As much as I enjoyed the visual interface for Immortality, I sometimes found myself making selections at random, just trying to brute force my way into a new clip. So my question is, when was the last time you resorted to brute force in a game to ensure you made progress?" Uh, playing brute force on the original Xbox. I did. I did do the same thing in Immortality. Just <laughs> for <laughs> just the record. clicking as fast <laughs> as you could. That's reminding me of uh, Return of the Obra Dinn, which I regretfully did brute force at some point, but not for the final one. So the final one was still really satisfying. Where you I, just filled in like every name and every cause of death. Yeah, like I knew I had I two, so I just tried the third one because then it locks them in. Yeah, right. But also The Last of Us Part Two, I was losing steam on and I switched from hard to easy and just sprinted through every encounter. Smart. No, uh, I guess my, uh, I guess I'm playing Digimon survive. Oh I'm yeah. Playing through that. And I, you know, it's, it's a lot more visual novel than I initially expected. So sometimes the story beats, you know, it gets like, sometimes the game's like, Hey, we don't want you to get bored. So let's make you do stuff. And I'm like, what? And so there's a thing you can autoplay the game. You have a, essentially an autoplay function. And so basically I auto, I hit, I find myself hitting autoplay until it's like, click the thing. You clicked it. All right. Here's some more text. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, I get it. Okay. I, I get it. And it's like, you chased the girl. She went into the classroom. She's in the classroom. She went into the lab. She went, it's like, okay, I'm just going to keep making the game autoplay until she stops running. Right. If that's what Digimon Survives about, it's about chasing women. <laughs> Survive. Interesting. Uh, Guy Bones writes in and says, "How would you contextualize the timer in a Super Mario game? Is it a bomb? A heart attack? Oh. Is the world going to end?" I mean, he does look like he has a heart attack when I it runs out. Where he I saw my pacemaker battery life. Mario has been Justin Timberlake from out of time this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cole, 
Quentin Cassidy writes and says, Hey y'all, I've been thinking recently about humor, how our senses of humor change as we age, like we all are learning to appreciate Leo's joke about movies releasing more and more, and the <laughs> topics that experience the greatest shift in comedic value across a lifetime. Take, for instance, literal toilet humor. Is there such a thing as an adult poop joke that is actually funny? No. Really? I oh, mean, I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm not a fan of potty humor. That's a very private time for a human being. Well, that's why you got to <laughs> laugh at it. That's that's the reason it's uh, funny. That's the reason it's supercharged. I mean, t- tell me, tell me if you think this counts. In oh. in the rehearsal, uh, there is a scene where Nathan Fielder is interacting with a child, and the child's like. It it poop. You have to eat it. You have to eat it. It's your medicine. And Fielder is just like, oh, I so I I eat the poop. And he's like, yeah, you eat the poop. And it's like it's hilarious because it is a child making a joke about poop that an adult is trying to like play along with to the best of his ability. And it's like it's really funny. I think I think there's a lot of uh, times where I feel like. A joke makes me uncomfortable and I don't laugh at it. And then I realize, you know, it's kind of like my hang up about it versus, you know, if I could take this joke at an objective level, give it the credit it deserves, I would laugh at it. I feel like there are plenty of good poop jokes. It's always sunny in Philadelphia has some has some great ones, including the finale of season 15. There's a poop (laughs) moment that I was watching through my fingers, but the screaming laughing at. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, is it? It's still a childish, all poop jokes are inherently childish. It's just sometimes as an adult, it's okay to laugh at that. That's the thing. I think when people say that, it's like projecting a little bit, you know? What do you mean? Old ass adults poop. Right. And they laugh at it. Like, I've had plenty of old timers in my life that'll make a stupid fart or a poop joke. They're everywhere in my life. Like, I don't don't think it fades too much. Plus, as an adult, then, you have to like, like, your how knee deep you are in poop in your thought process it's big as a kid i think it goes down as we all get more mature and make fewer pee pee poo poo jokes but then when you're a parent it's like you think more about pee pee and poo poo than ever so i think it oh. kind of has to become funny again odell i'm sorry are you, are you too good for letting a baby pee on you <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm the type of person where, like, if I excuse myself and like I'm gone for a, a an appropriate amount of time, and someone's like, right. Haha, "Where you put?" Like, no, I will die. Like, I will. Like, I, I, like, I hate when people do. I'm just like, oh god. So I've I've adopted to being like, I have to go have this phone call outside and then and then go to the bathroom <laughs> outside of this area right here. <laughs> Leo, if you could, I mean, to ask you, would you um, would you? Press the button if you could save up all your poop and you wouldn't have to poop for a year. But then when the clock struck midnight on that year, you would poop the equivalent of that year just in one oh, shot. God. Oh. Is that I'd go to that... some remote mountain. <laughs> well, that's a, no, that's a great question because you couldn't go to your toilet. No. You, well, I, have a, I have a squatty potty and a bidet and pooping rocks. Really? I look forward to it. Really? It's one of the best parts of my day. Yeah. No matter what. It is the best part of my day. And I don't care if my girlfriend hears that. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the idea of like if you're laughing from the hallway. If you had a year's <laughs> worth of poop, like could you flush it continuously where you could stay on the toilet center type, or would ben, you have to? I yeah, go to remote. Oh, they'll take this one. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's how I think you would have to handle it. Yeah. Go to like an outdoor. You know, like some national reserve where they have those porta potties that are yeah. just like fifty feet deep. Yeah, you know where it's just like a hole, right. and then you just do it there. 
Okay, so drive like the clock is ticking down, like a Mario clock. You need to get to that national park porta potty in time, and then just let her rip. God, how long would you be there? A year's worth? Would you be there for three hours? You'd well, that's I guess time. you know it takes the mechanics of how it works. Like, does it take individually as long as it would take to poop? Yeah, every time you so would you'd have for to a year. Add it up. Can someone did the math? Well, then and it wouldn't even. Then you're just like. Sucking, you know, a day or two out of your life, like each year. I, I don't think it's worth it. But you don't have to deal with it the rest of the time. I think it's, I think it's kind of worth it. It's the equivalent of the Dimension aspect from Fantasian, which is that RPG where you can avoid all the random battles in a JRPG, but you stockpile them and it remembers it. Then you choose when to pop them and you fight them all in a row. It's, it's that, but with poop. These are the ideas that we're working on. That's the thing, though, is it's it doesn't detract, I feel like. Even when I worked at Game Informer, it was like, oh, here's a great opportunity to take a 15-minute break. Right. You know? Yeah. Or if you're and in a social got, situation, you've you got kind no of excuse. are in the mood for it. Mm. You'd be in the bathroom. You're like, I have to use the bathroom, and everyone's like, no, you don't. You went to that national park. No, you keep it a secret. You keep it a secret. <laughs> you you cannot leave. <laughs> you just go well, to the bathroom you know, and hang out. Okay, I'm thinking about the merits of this. So let's say, you know, that means you'll never have diarrhea. You'll never have yes. stomach troubles. Yes, I mean, yes, I, I yes, guess yes, true. yes, I would take that in a heartbeat. Or do you have that you just never have while you're doing it car exactly. in the first day? What you know, it? do you have to take it all at once? Because it's like, if someone was like, do you want every headache you'll have for a year at the same time? Like, oh. I might die because I couldn't handle that. You wouldn't die. It would suck. You might. I do like that idea. Yeah. What could you stockpile? In a year, and what would you choose to stockpile versus not? During during COVID, I thought about stockpiling sleep a lot. Like while just just in like 2020, when there would just be like weeks where I felt like I wouldn't do anything or see anyone. Yeah, it'd be like imagine if I could just sleep this whole time, and then when the world opens up again, I could like not have to sleep, and I could just like do stuff. Did you try it? Is that true? Uh, yeah, I think it's called depression. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's just, God, what sleep all the time? The whole invention. There is nothing better than traveling overseas and realizing that to fight jet lag, it's like, it makes sense. I guess I'll just have to sleep for 13 hours or whatever it is so I can get back on the day's clock. Have y'all had those moments? Like, that's so sweet when you realize that, like, okay, I need to push myself to stay in bed for as long as possible. It's really liberating in a fun way. Yeah, I'd pay just about any premium to end up in another country, like, at 10 p.m. Yes. Like when it's bedtime. That's right. huge. That's huge. Uh, Villas writes in and says, Greetings to Ben, Deanna, Hansen, and the cohorts of Doom. Get ready for a lot of that, Leo. Um, As a fan of Indiana Jones and the fate of Atlantis around the time that it came out, which was 1992, I'm deeply curious who on the staff has played it and what preconceived notions do you have um, about the game if you haven't played it yet. So if you missed it, we are taking the deepest dive into Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. It's on Steam. It's for $6 available for sale there. Um, and we're collecting comments about the first half of the game, which is everything up until you hit Crete. Stop when you reach Crete, which is around three and a half hours in. Um, so we're collecting your comments this Sunday for that. Um, Leo, yeah, as somebody who has not played Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, what preconceived notions do you have right now before you jumped in or have you played it already i've never touched it i've always heard good things and always meant to so this is a great excuse to i was an indiana jones and the emperor's tomb man oh as a kid that was the indie game i loved yeah so what do you think what preconceived notions do you have about this before we jump into it i mean the fact that it's so well regarded makes me expect to not have too much trouble with the puzzles 
and for it to be uh, funny and well-written because the writing is, you know, 90% of an adventure game. Right, right. Um, and if it's not, you're going to hear about it. <laughs> on the deepest dive, everybody. Yeah, I, I have some idea about like the structure of the game and so i don't want to reveal that because i think that'll be interesting to unpack so that's the main thing i have i think the puzzles are going to be worse than i could ever fathom <laughs> um and i'm looking forward to streaming this i'm in max's twitch channel i'm going to start streaming it on thursday um and so i just am praying that the puzzles are like oh you gotta you know put the tape on the cat or whatever the classic example is of a bad adventure game puzzle um and that it's less like navigate this maze with a 16 part walkthrough like you know that's that's what i'm dreading i hope it's just kind of obscure but easy to explain solutions to puzzles i've been replaying escape from monkey island which i enjoyed a lot as a kid and i think i used a walkthrough for everything and i'm still having to resort to it a little bit now yeah and i remembered there's this uh prosthetic shop and you can go and this guy will tell you a story and you'll suggest names and three different configurations of names. Wendy runs off with Jed or whatever. will give you a different prosthetic limb, a prosthetic stomach, a prosthetic ass, like a bunch of weird stuff. And I remember it as a kid, like, oh, yeah, you can get them all and combine them into this thing called the Abomination of Nature, which is just like a pr- <laughs> right. prosthetic head. It's this little monster, which really captured my imagination as a kid. And so I'm stuck now going through it. And I'm like, OK, I guess I'll try and do that. And so I brute force it and do every combination and get like these eight prosthetic parts you combine. And then I do it and I get the abomination of nature. And then I'm like, wait, what do you do with this? And I look it up and then it's like, you can make this thing that's useless if you want. It's a funny <laughs> Easter egg. <laughs> God, my main memory of that game, I, I enjoyed it too. I feel like after Ron Gilbert left, there's a bunch of adventure game snobs. You're like, oh, Monkey Island's no good then. But it's like, oh, I played those other games. They seem good. But um, I remember there's a puzzle in the swamp on a raft where it's like time travel with yourself and you have to like pass things to the past. Have you done that part already? Yeah, that part's really cool. Is it as good as I remember it? Yeah, I mean, it's more simple, maybe, because you just, you get handed three things, and you just kind of have to remember, like, the one thing you said, and then the order you handed the things to yourself in. Okay. Which is still interesting, but it's hard to screw up. Sure. Well, sure. Uh, Chris Logan writes and says, Hello, Ben and the Horts. Uh, What do we think about collectibles and single-player narrative-driven games? Because personally, it drives me nuts. I find it really breaks my immersion when I enter a new area and my first impulse is to walk in the opposite direction. I know I'm supposed to go just in case there's a hidden quarter in The Last of Us Part Two or a little artifact in God of War. I know not everyone likes the Riddler trophies, but at least those are somewhat tied to the narrative and require a little more effort than checking every nook and cranny of the map. Am I just being grouchy and I should have the willpower to ignore these? Yeah, the narrative-focused collectibles. I hear ya. I, I get that idea that it's distracting. I think I like them better than if they're tied to progression, though, because it's like you can, you know, if it is you walk down the other hallway in The Last of Us and you find like a postcard, you know, it's like that's interesting. But it's like I I like that. At least I can ignore that. Whereas if it's you walk down the other hallway in The Last of Us and you find a weapon upgrade kit, then it's like, well, I can't miss that. I'm making myself worse for the rest of the game. Right. Um, but but I also don't care about, you know, it's like an Uncharted, that list of treasures. It would like I would forget about them for five levels and then find one. And there'd just be that giant list of question marks and be like, well, never going to find the right. I don't care. Yeah, I think I get it with like stuff like The Last of Us. I think God of War 
Something that I always really appreciated about 2018's God of War, and I don't think people really talked about it a lot, because obviously the story gets a lot of attention, all that stuff, but I really enjoyed how gamey that game was. Like, it is a mechanically very silly game at times, and I feel like it embraced the gaminess more than kind of the prestige vibe that it gives off and you'd originally think of it as. Like, I just remember a lot of puzzles about, okay, you gotta throw your axe and you have to, like, line up these three things in order to throw it this way. Like, everything is very... They feel like puzzles from the PS2 era, and I really appreciated that it wasn't self-conscious about that. And so, the collectibles in that type of game, I don't really mind, I guess. You know, I, I think as long as it's something that enhances the story, like if it's narrative focused, because there's some games where if you don't find the collectibles, you miss the story essentially, and I think that's silly. But if it's just like little tidbits that just makes it that much more better, then I'm cool with it. Yeah. What What sucks for me is when it's like a a important story thing is happening and I'm not sure should I still be walking against every wall looking for collectibles or should I is it okay for me to just like listen to the story that's happening and try and be immersed instead of like reminding myself it's a a dumb little video game for kids right Uh, (laughs) please keep listening to this podcast Um, E&T Clark writes and says several of the podcasts I listen to have specific points where they tell the audience that they're taking breaks why do they do this I get it if they're taking an ad break, but most of the time they're just transitioning to a new segment. I never take a break when listening. Kudos to MinMax for not putting any fake breaks in any of their content. I take that as they have to run to the bathroom or something and they don't want to edit it to try and make it seem seamless, I guess. But it is weird when they say, we'll be right back and then there's no ad. It's like, well, what's going on here? What's the point? I I feel like sometimes I think... Uh, I don't know how podcasts work. Sometimes I think that they record the podcasts before they have the ads lined up. And so mm. they create a break point and they're like, well, we would put an ad here if we had one. Right. Um, also, I think sometimes it's just to tell the guests, you know, I guess that doesn't answer why they wouldn't just edit the we'll be right back as well. But it's like, right. you know, when Scott Aukerman says we'll be right back, I think sometimes that's like to tell all the other people on Comedy Bang Bang to stop making jokes for two seconds. <laughs> please they've laughed enough everybody um yeah yeah i guess that could be it i don't want to spoil anything about this episode but maybe there have been some breaks and cuts here and hopefully for doing our job correctly i think my job is that you don't even realize when this has stopped and started right also i, I probably know. oh go ahead Adele. No, I was going to say i can only speak about this when in my podcast originally started we had a makeshift studio and sometimes if we ran long just mechanically the camera shutter would just shut off so to avoid trying to have to like make this magical it never happened break, we'll be like, and we'll be right back. So we can shut off the camera, reset it, give it time to cool off, and then start it back again. There we go. <laughs> All right, there's a good reason. Um, it, classic faux pas. I think I've probably railed about this, about this in the past, but if you are recording a podcast and you lose that episode of the podcast through some technical hiccup, do not talk about it on the next episode you recorded. That is such, this is some rookie podcast maneuver in Jacob Geller. It drives me insane because maybe just the podcast producer in me gets more stressed out than the average person. But I hate that idea of when they started a podcast and be like, oh, technically this is the second time we've had this discussion because the last one was deleted accidentally. It's like, why are you telling them? Just shut up. You're making your content feel worse and that it's like a chore to listen to if we know that this is a half-hearted second attempt at something that was better the first time when we could just stay in the dark. Ignorance is bliss, everybody. Stop it! Uh, Bobby B and the Rocket Beatles writes in and says, not counting the computer you're on right now or your phone, 
Leo, what is, by proximity, the closest video game to you right now? He's looking around the room, ladies and gentlemen. Do I have... Oh, I... I... Give me a second. Okay. He's getting up. He looks to be manufacturing a video game. And maybe bringing it back to the camera. Persona 4 Golden for Vita. (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's Uh, because I have, you know, like cabinets in here of old video game stuff oh and this is the only I, I just like have left this in there forever and you know what oh it's empty 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 hits in fake. the vita fake ass gamer uh jacob are you checking <laughs> yours no i i don't i don't think i have any in this room at all they're all all of mine are downstairs and also i only have like i don't know five physical games in this house i guess i have my like cd thing with like you know all my ps3 games but like I, I haven't bought physical games uh, in a while. Yeah, I guess oh my, my answer is like, um, I bought... I don't know, it's I, harder. I have to go to a store. Yeah. I bought a um, a Snoopy, like a Peanuts Game & Watch from 1982. That was yeah. my, my, big, uh, my big investment. It's an investment, everybody. Um, but I haven't opened it yet. So technically that's the one close to me because I keep telling myself, I'm going to do something when I open that. Maybe I'll make a video about it. But that might be too... Oh, too niche sorry, Oculus Quest. There you go. Okay. Resident Evil 4 VR on the Oculus well, Quest. Well, the too. downloads. I don't know if that counts. Unless there's like a physical version of that, yeah. Uh, Odell, you got anything good? What's the nearest one uh, to you? Like? It's, it's funny. When y'all ask this, on my desk now is my unopened Majora's Mask 3DS mm. with Majora's Ooh. Mask. So All I right. guess Majora's Mask. I guess that counts. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, Collector Emitter writes in. Great name. They say, hey, man, Max, I got a game for you. Let's just say this is for Jacob Geller in particular. It's called Miyazaki or Miyazaki. Is the character from a Studio Ghibli movie or from a FromSoft game? Odell, did you want to compete as well? Sure, why not? Okay, great. <laughs> Hang on, did you just say that you don't like FromSoftware games? <laughs> but I like Miyazaki, so maybe All right, I should be okay, okay, here we go. Okay, you're set. All right, uh, start with Jacob. Uh, Leo, by the way, do you want to compete in this as well? I've just watched Kiki's Delivery Service, so I'll raise my hand if I think it's from that. (laughs) Okay, great. Number one, Kiki. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jacob. uh, God Warrior. Is that Ghibli or is that FromSoft? Uh, Not only is it Ghibli, I can tell you um, uh, what movie and who animated it. Who was it from? Right, it's it's Nausicaa, and it was it was the it was Hideaki Anno's like big proving himself yeah here we go uh all right odell pod clock who pod clock as in it's pod o'clock which is what we (laughs) told leo earlier when he jumped on the discord uh uh, ghibli correct of course leo vader yuria the witch gross uh from sock correct jacob geller Okay, this is a this is a layup. Let me skip that one. Setsuki. Oh, interesting. Uh, I think Ghibli, but I don't know the movie. That's from Soft. You're embarrassing oh, us. It, they don't say Odell. Uh, Marvelous Chester. Mm, mm, from Soft. Correct. And Leo Vader, bring it home. Chancellor Wellonger. 
Gimbley. That's a FromSoft joint. Please oh, show it its respect. No. Uh, all right. That's it. Thanks so much, everybody, for submitting great questions over there on Patreon. But which is our favorite? Number one. What do you think? Leo, you have the twinkle in your eye like you have a thought. I like the advice. I like advice. advice. I like video games or outer space. Yeah, that's I'm, good. I'm, I'm going video games or outer space because that question took us places. Yeah, literally to outer space. Did Mario, what does the Mario timer represent? That was this, right? Yep, I think that's that good. Um, you know, poop ain't bad. Um, poop ain't bad. We went. That was maybe the longest one. <laughs> well, longest poop of all time. That's no <laughs> doubt. Uh, okay, Odell, you're the guest of honor. Where, where are you taking it? What's uh, what are you locking in? I gotta give it to space. Yeah, yeah love it. it. Garrett Wayne. Anti poop bias. Continues <laughs> <laughs> to this day. All right, congratulations, Garrett. You just won a great prize from I'm 8 Bit. Thanks everybody who supports us, helps support independent games media, and has a chance to win each and every week. It's always amazing. People who submit great comments. I mean, I'm 8 Bit has been so generous. It is to the point that, like, oh, this person has just received like three prizes at this point. Like, they just keep getting shipped all this stuff because I'm 8 Bit keeps shipping them out. Um, all right, now it's time for something that we call Get a Load of This. All right, little factoid. Odell, sorry, I forgot to remind you about it. So, no, <laughs> no big deal if you don't have one. Um, Leo, I, I will find one. Okay, Leo, you got one? For us? Yes. Get a load of this. The Wisdom of Star Wars. A thrift store find from my sister for my birthday. Is it episode one themed? It is from 1999 pre-episode one, I believe. Wow. Because there's no episode one quotes in here. Okay. It's a 365 day calendar of quotes from the franchise, which at that, po- that point, I feel like barely had 365 like lines in it. <laughs> Friday, March 5th, 1999. Han, sorry about the mess. <laughs> and you can tell they ran out because by the end, it's all alien quotes. There's R2-D2 going beep, boop, weep and stuff. And then, and then the last one is just a Tuscan Raider saying arg. That's December 31st. Sound of credits. Oh That's Rito, Kuna Tuta solo? <laughs> That's good. Oh, our kids, uh, I think kids are still into the page a day calendar things. Like that was a real highlight of my childhood. I feel like is having a Garfield. You were one into and, that. Oh, I was into it. Very I like the yeah. I like the comic strip ones. You yeah, got, like a Foxtrot page a day calendar. Yep, Farside. I mean, that was probably my first big exposure to Farside. Was like a page a day calendar. I think because I don't know if it was in the newspaper. But. I would read ahead. Yeah. Oh, I would, I would just read all the stinker. comics. I'm traveling through time. Uh, hey, get a load of this, everybody. There's a little YouTube clip um, from a panel from a while ago where it's James Cameron talking to Steven Spielberg. And apparently Spielberg was trying to get James Cameron to direct an episode of Amazing Stories way back in the day. And and James Cameron very smartly was like, I don't know. the way he put it is like, I was trying to light my own flame and it wouldn't be next to your torch there, Spielberg. Um, but I guess they were talking in the 80s and uh, James Cameron told Spielberg that he was directing Aliens, the sequel to Alien. And and. In this clip, Spielberg's like, yeah, by the way, thank you for not going with my suggested idea on that one, which was apparently Spielberg suggested James Cameron that the sequel to Aliens should be a twist on Alien. So in the sequel, the alien, the little uh, xenomorph, is just a misunderstood little guy, and all the humans are chasing it down. <laughs> and so thank you, James Cameron, yeah, for not following Love through that. on it. <laughs> uh, Jacob, you got one? 
Uh, get a load of this. One of my favorite shows on Netflix uh, is a show called Tuca and Birdie, an animated show um, that I believed only received one season. Uh, and it did receive only one season from Netflix, but I found out just a couple weeks ago that there are two more seasons on HBO Max that you can Look watch. Um, I had no idea. I totally thought this was a show canceled after one season, and it's really, really good, and it has... Um, uh, Ali Wong and Tiffany Haddish and and um, uh, Jeremy Yun and like super good voice cast. It's a great show. Um, mm-hmm. And there are three seasons, not just one. That's a good moment. What's it called again? Uh, Tuca and Birdie. Tuca Jacob, and Birdie. you clearly do not watch Adult Swim. Oh, do they advertise no, that I don't. a lot? Uh, but I want to watch these. Uh, Odell, did you find something? I have nothing, but I'm going to follow <laughs> with Jacob. Get a load of this. I thought Primal second season was not out yet, but apparently I also was not watching Adult Swim. <laughs> and Primal second season is like season finales like this week. And I was like, how did I miss all these episodes? That's the Jindy Tarkovsky show, right? Yeah, the guy who made Samurai Jack. Is yeah. it good? Yeah, it's super good. Also, I didn't even know this was like season two. Like when season one ended, I just thought like the show was on break. But no, we're just in the middle of season two. Well, there and we it's go. also still super good. Oh, go damn. watch it. Uh, from the Discord, DJ Tommy posted a tweet from a Twitter account called Luigi... Oh, no, no. It's from uh, Merit K, who just tweeted out, Children born during the year of Luigi are starting the fourth grade this month. Just so we all are aware of what's happening with time. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Odell, thanks for being here, sir. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, what would you like to plug if you could point people one direction? Oh, yeah. So I have a new Nintendo focused podcast I'm on. It's called the Toadstool Boardroom. You can find it at Twitter at Toadstool BR. We have new episodes that drop every Thursday with the latest and greatest Nintendo news, deep dives, interesting thought pieces. So go check that out anywhere podcasts are found. found. Yeah, you got it. And on YouTube. Yeah. Sweet. And you can follow me, Odell Harmon Jr., Twitter. Yeah. Awesome. There's going to be links below for all this fun stuff, including the get a load of this stuff. Um, let's see. Coming up at MinMax here, we have obviously the deepest dive on Indiana Jones. We'll be talking about the game. I'm excited for, for people that unlock the bonus podcast feed where they can just listen to us talk about Indiana Jones and the fate of Atlantis because it'll feel like, hopefully, if we're doing it right and we're not just complaining about puzzles the entire time, it'll feel like we're discussing like an untold Indiana Jones adventure. You know? So I'm excited to play the game. I wish that I could be listening to somebody else's podcast conversation about the game. Does that make sense? We're doing our own archaeology, if you think about it. I know! Isn't that fun? So thanks for supporting the Deepest Dive Foreman, everybody. Hope you enjoy that one. You can play along with us and submit your comments and thoughts, and we'll share it on there. Uh, Also, we don't talk about it much, but um, there's a thing called the Wall of Heroes um, where we have an image rotating on every MinMax video throughout the month, and if you join us at the $100 tier on Patreon, you can put any image you want in that. Um... Yep, Leo, you're looking around the right way. I'm trying to... uh, Which direction is it? It's towards the door. Yeah, that's perfect. (laughs) So any image you want within reason, but I think it's a cool avenue. It's only 100 bucks a month, so if you want to put something up there for 
picture of your face, picture of your dog, picture of your loved one with their permission, all that fun stuff, a uh, picture of your small company. We'd love to see it. So any help supporting us there is a good way to get some easy promotion as well. And just a heads up for folks, a trivia tower is coming up this month. Uh, the plan right now is because of the deepest dive, I don't want to uh, double up on that. Also, I'm going to be traveling next week. We'll be talking more about that in the future. Um, but trivia tower is going to be later in this month. So it's either going to be on the 25th or the 26th. So heads up. So a little bit later than usual, but it is happening. So if you support us at any tier on Patreon, you can compete in video game trivia to win some great prizes. I'm very excited about our co-host for this episode. All right, that's it. Thank you so much, everybody. And thanks to everybody who supports us at that $50 tier, the game champion tier. They can choose any game out of the sun to be the champion of. We got a new batch. New month, new batch. Good stuff. Daniel Bickerton shows Def Jam Fight for New York. The official game champion of Def Jam Fight for New York. Kendrick Fortune chose They Bleed Pixels. Jacob Geller, do you know what that is? I know that name. Okay, you might, um, might have to Google can't it. picture the game. All right, uh, Spiraling Your Eyes is the champion of Nightmare Ned. Don't forget it. Nightmare Ned, Spiraling Your Eyes. Divorced Cougar, Mike M. chose Clubhouse Games on the DS. They are officially the champion of Clubhouse Games on the DS. Thanks, everybody, for choosing a Didn't game Didn't we already champion. have a champion for that, or is that the same person? <laughs> it's the same person. I think they re-upped okay, every good. month. Or maybe they went on the DS, and this is a different version versus the Switch version of Clubhouse Games. I'm not sure exactly oh. what Divorced Cougar strategy there is. Um, but we take all these, bundle into a big poll, and then uh, we make bonus content based on the winner of that poll after a couple months. And... The last round we had Wind Waker won. Uh, the game champion of Wind Waker was Atsigo 12. So we talked to them about content and we ended up making a bonus episode of Crossfade, our music podcast hosted by Matt Helgeson and Jason Daphnis. And so this Friday, that episode will be dropping and it's a video episode as well. So you can watch the video version of Jason Daphnis and Kyle Hilliard and Sarah Pazorski uh, unpacking the music of Wind Waker. You can watch it on YouTube or you can subscribe to Crossfade, our music podcast. It'll be in that feed as well. So we hope you all enjoy that bonus episode. It was a fun time. All right, and that's it. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks for watching and listening. Be good, have fun, let's go. Let's go.